Broadcasting live from San Jose, California, it is the Dad Bod Rap Pod. I am one-third of your host, Damone Carter, joined by my man, Nate LeBlanc. What's good, Doug? Hey, uh, doing good. Good to see you guys. It's our last uh, recording sesh of the year. It is. I'm, I'm already emotional. And speaking <laughs> and speaking of uh, overflowing with emotion, we have Mr. Dave Ma. How's it going? Hey, always good to see you guys. Good to be at back at your cr- uh, your crib. Uh, really happy to have you. Jesus, can we redo that, dude? Yeah. <laughs> All right. And also we have my man, Dave Ma. How's it going, man? Yo, really good to be here. Thanks for um, having us at your crib. Always good to be here. It's nice and toasty inside. It's cold as fuck outside. Yeah, and and by that, folks, we mean it's like 53. But um, <laughs> but for us, it is mad cold. A PG&E keeps hitting me up like, here's some ways that you could save. How about turn off the heater from 12 to 9 p.m.? Like what? Like what? <laughs> like, like what? When would I run it then? Um, so I am definitely. Hypothermia? Yeah, exactly. I'm not, I'm not helping the, uh, the energy shortage here. But uh, good to have you guys back at the crib. This is the last recording session of the year for us. Um, Hopefully you had a chance to listen to the DBRP50 part one. Part two, Electric Boogaloo, is coming up real soon. We'll get back into the list. But we just want to spend a little bit of time talking about the year that was. And if I had to think of an overarching theme for this year, I would think it's called We Outside. (laughs) (laughs) Much, much more so than when we uh, started the podcast, certainly, and um, I think I, I think of this as the year where we like life really came back after the pandemic and mm-hmm. like doing the weekly show proved to be a little too much at times. And we like we had to break our like little Iron Man Cal Ripken <laughs> 50 shows a <laughs> right. year vibe, which was really fun. And I have a lot of fond memories of that time. And I fell into a real groove with it. And I felt very creative in my life and got to talk to so many interesting people. But this year we were kind of like, oh, I was like not doing a lot of things so I could do this. Right. Yeah, so, right, yeah. yeah, this was, you know, where it was more uh, just kind of like taking little pauses, reflecting, talking about what we wanted the show to be. And on that note, I don't know if you guys feel this way. I've thought about this a lot. Our retrospective episodes, which we did to kind of close out this year, previous to this, just talking about old albums, it is much more what we sh- thought the show would be yeah. when we first started it. 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we mm-hmm. kind of found our like this whole new rap scene that we wanted to investigate, and we spent like several literal years doing that and met a lot of people and learned a lot of things and heard a lot of cool stuff. And then we were like, oh, let's get back to like what we first thought we would do, which is like talking about classic rap and older rap and the rap that made us who we are. Right. It, it feels it feels uh, kind of uh, like a full circle moment. And mm. um you know, a lot of the foundational stuff that we um, laid and grinded out for weekly every year um, kind of led us to some cool things, though, this summer. You know, um, yeah. the Dante Ross interview at Amoeba so with cool. Dell. Um, also, um, Jazz Fest, shout out to SJ Jazz for having us uh, yeah. curated the stage uh, with Merce for f- Hip Hop's 50th anniversary. So, um, yeah, real life definitely came back. But, you know, we were lucky to be invited so, to some cool things. 
Yeah, and we we hosted an event with the uh, the man fifty grand Sean Kantrowitz. Um, That's right. Record as swap. well. So the record swap. So yeah, it was a it was a cool year. We got to be outside. Um I, I went to a couple shows too. And what's been really cool is to see and recognize folks that are down with the program. And I and I'll say this. I'd say nine tenths of my interactions with folks who listen to the program in real life are totally chill and not awkward. One out of ten is very awkward. <laughs> um, <laughs> not, I'm not gonna play with you, but I, I got a like, um listener email to my work email today whoa whoa yeah um they they did have a legitimate work question and i was able to point them in the right direction of something but it was like a very you guys know i i don't cross streams (laughs) Uh, and it actually went in my spam folder so i i'm answering it like a week later so i actually got it last monday but um yeah it was funny i was like whoa this is this is weird but it's cool um, and it was a legit thing that I was able to help someone with, so it was kind of funny. But like, yeah, you know what's not cool when somebody is chasing you down about a work thing that you're ducking them on, and they and they email the fucking dad bod. That's absurd. Who was doing that? Some city official? Hundred <laughs> percent. Wow. City of San Jose has a dogged person in one of their departments who wow. I've been ignoring on purpose. You know, you get emails like, "Would you like to participate?" No, I wouldn't. And also, I will not be responding yeah, to this. No response means no. Yeah. Take, no response take means a no. Hint, dot com. Wow. Uh, uh, but yeah, they went so far as to uh, hit up the dad bod, and if they want to see an inbox that doesn't get responded wow. to, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, ridiculous. Note to, note to everyone listening: if you want to like have a slippery online online presence, share an email account with two other people. Totally, like, you will never know what has been read and not read. You will never know what has been responded to and not responded to, and you'll never be accountable. Oh, <laughs> Nate, right. Nate didn't right. hit you, dog. Yeah, I blame everything on Nate. So, oh man, yeah. So, so um, the Spider Man, a Spider Man pointing meme. <laughs> we, we all have each other to blame. Totally, uh, um, and I love it. I love it so much. But yeah, this has been a a year of, of transitions, a year of kind of reassessments, a year of uh, going outside and interacting with folks. And the good news is, we are um, in some ways stronger uh, in what we do on a weekly basis and we have some cool ass shit coming up for next year that i can't talk about and i hate when people do that but like it's 100 percent true we're that guy right now yeah yeah we're 100 percent <laughs> that guy announcing the and announcement it might be a lot more exciting for us than it is for you guys but we'll see when we get there oh no it's it's forever we're taking everybody um <laughs> so stay tuned we've got some cool stuff coming up for y'all in 2024 uh the year 1994 turns 30 um in 2024 so we'll be doing some of that probably Mm. not off top we'll we'll give the retros a break for a little bit um but we'll definitely get back to that series and uh yeah we'll we'll see where it goes but for now let's get into our dbrp 50 list we're on the top 24 did we do the 25th one we did the 25th one last week this is the top 24 of dbrp P fifty Nate one more again maybe for people who um, who didn't catch the first one although let it be known I hate when they do this in television <laughs> I'm watching the series right. don't recap every fucking episode at the top of the episode bro like I'm, I'm gonna intro- I'm gonna blow your mind they have a little box that says skip intro. <laughs> 
we don't, but we don't. Yeah, yeah we don't. Right, don't, so. don't 15 second forward through this. Save that for the ads. No, just kidding. Um, okay, so what we decided to do, we I was talking to Dave about this when we were walking home from uh, your place the other night, Damon, when we did this last week, and I was like, we can't do the 50 best hip-hop songs ever because then I, I believe Dave's exact quote was like, I don't want to talk about Juicy again. <laughs> and it's like, it's like this is the I don't want to talk about Juicy again memorial. Totally. Two and a half hours. Like, <laughs> totally. If you do the best hip-hop songs ever, you have to do like um, Eric B. for President right, and right. stuff like that, which is a great song, totally. but that's not what we're about. Have you guys heard of Illmatic? Yeah, yeah exactly. You know. um, so we just decided we wanted to do a hip-hop 50 kind of list. It's the year of 50 lists because uh, hip-hop turned 50. Um, and could not have done it without the Zulu Nation. I think we can all agree. <laughs> and so we <laughs> Patreon joke. Patreon <laughs> joke alert. And so um, we wanted to put together a list of 50 songs that have either deeply influenced or have kind of become part of the lore of the show. Uh, many of these people we've had a chance to interview. Some people we will never get a chance to interview because of circumstances. But we collaborated with ourselves internally and the Patreon community. Join the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash dadbodrappod to hey. have the inside track on stuff like this and hear extra bonus content, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we came up with 50 songs that represent what we're all about as a show that represent our aesthetic. And we covered half of them last week, and we're covering the rest now. We have a Spotify playlist we're going to put out, and we uh, it'll probably be out by the time you're hearing this. And just like want to celebrate some great music, because that's at the end of the day, besides us being friends and cracking jokes and wanting to spend time with each other and to have nuanced conversations about hip-hop, what this is really about is just music appreciation and hopefully putting you guys onto some stuff you might not be super familiar with because we do like some pretty cutty stuff and we're going to explain why we like it over the next couple of hours and I hope you enjoy it. All right, let's get into it. Number 24, Thin Ice, Nappy Nina. This is a song from Nappy Nina and Jay Word's uh, collaborative project, Double Down. Nina is, this is an overused term, but she is literally a friend of the program. Uh, we we got to hang out IRL um, a couple times. We met her dad. We met her dad. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Like all the dots connecting. Uh, we've obviously been boosters of her, her talent and her career. And I think this song in particular for me um, is a great display of how buoyant she is on different types of beats. Like uh, her joint, her album 30 Bag is more kind of straight ahead, uh, Boom Baptist type stuff, and she excels there. But on Double Down, uh, Jay Word's kind of uh, electronic soundscape presented some interesting challenges. Uh, Nina was telling me that like it took her a long time to learn how to do the cadences live because she's doing really tricky stuff and rapping over uh, non-traditional beats. So uh, this song, Thin Ice, is one of those type of tracks. It also features uh, Masai, who is fucking incredible. Um, and she's just kind of bouncing over it and, and having fun with with words. And that's, that's what I love about her is that um, she's a rapper who really, even though she's significantly younger than me and us, <laughs> um, has a very, to my mind, um, an old school kind of craftsmanship 
um, with the way that she approaches the rhyme. So that's that's why I picked this joint. Uh, love this joint. Love this record. Um, super dope. Um, Nina actually gave us this record um, right. hand to hand when we met up with her for drinks a couple years ago. That was super dope, and it gave me something in the photos to cover my gut with, which was <laughs> that, that was the best part of it for me. Um, so it was. Um, it's been a real pleasure to get to know her and watch her career progress. And we've also had Jay Words on the show. Jay Words is an excellent producer. And someone I think we all admire and ha- have like think that they will that she's she's a big deal. Like she's yeah. a really good producer. Yeah. It's like more on the electronic edge of things, as Damone was saying. Um, but there's certainly a place for that within this um, kind of underground culture. And yeah, we're just very very fond of Nina and her work, and think she's a really really dope rapper that people should be paying attention to. And this track is a great illustration of that. And um, one of my favorite. Nina songs, the one that kind of got me into her off of Thirty Bag is um, "Humble," and mm. it also features Masai. Yeah. So they they're just a really good pairing. Nice. I mean, wonderfully said, Nate. Um, not much to add besides the fact that I'm a huge fan of Nina's. Um, it's really good to see her progression as an artist. I think she has even better control of her like voice now. Um, before she was a bit fluttery over the beats, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Right. But just now, like, her voice, I think, even shines through the production a little bit more. And I remember when we first met, she was like, hey, do you have, like, 20 minutes to, like, get on the phone? And, like, we just kind of talked about her career and, like, what she wanted to do. And from then, you know, four albums later, it's really good to see her doing her thing. Yeah. And uh, don't want to give too much away, but Damone shared uh, some work that uh, he's been working on with her, and um, it's quite good it's pretty pretty good (laughs) (laughs) nice um and i just will say she had a great album that came out earlier this year called morning dew uh not spelled how you might think it is so be careful when you're googling uh but um among many other things it has a great cover photo and we discussed in detail actually she was sitting right where dave is sitting right now uh when we talked about um how she got that cover photo just just a really cool project and we we just couldn't be bigger fans (laughs) <laughs> 23 Vapors Bismarcky Radio TV And even the press Say what's the meaning of V-A-P-O-R-S The meaning of this word Without no doubt Means nobody wanna beat That one you're down and out Now one you established And got a lot of money Everybody wanna be your buddy And honey Like tall builders They call skyscrapers Can you feel it? Um, what can be said about the great Biz Marquis? I mean, he represents, um, I think, like the ethos of the show and to me just hip hop in general for his inclusivity, his comedy, his clownsmanship. And um, he's just the best. And so many good songs to pick from, from his Cold Chillin' era. But this one is a great one. And I really think um, one of my favorite covers is uh, Charisma and P.B. Wolf's cover of Vapors. Oh, and I think right. Charisma just really absorbed like the fun um, just the fun, outgoing nature of Bismarcky in that song, and he is just one of one of our favorites. I mean, when yeah. I think of like an internal emblem of what I think hip hop is, he is that guy. I was uh, very fortunate to write the obituary for NPR when he passed, um, R.I.P. And another great display of um, wonderful storytelling. Yeah, I feel like Vapors might be, if not the first, one of the tracks that popularized the comeuppance trope mm. of, you know, you didn't believe in me, and now now I'm on. Look at me now. Right. Um, it was a huge track for me at the time, uh, the video especially, and, like, this idea of transformation, because 
before that, rappers had really talked about themselves as being these invincible things. And in some ways, Biz was like an everyman. You know what I mean? Like, there wasn't, uh, he didn't have the lyrical dexterity of a Big Daddy Kane. He wasn't suave. But he had the energy and the charisma. And you, when he's telling this story, and also on, on a song like uh, Just a Friend, right. you, you kind of, he's kind of this, like, slumpy anti-hero. And he really um, carries that energy into this song. So this, for me, is foundational. And even though nobody around me gets the... Uh, gets the reference, I still will say somebody caught vapors. <laughs> they're like, are you talking about Vicks? Like, right. Vicks vapor rub? Like, what? They're like, no, I'm talking about this lady who keeps emailing me. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, I really like these uh, Biz stories where he, like, gets revenge on everyone who didn't mm-hmm. believe in him. And uh, one of my other favorites is What Goes Around Comes Around mm. um, from I Need a Haircut, which I do, literally. Um, but, um, watching the documentary, which we've said many times we're all going to watch together, and we still haven't because I'm a bad host and have not invited you guys over to do, even though I have it saved and I've watched it once already. You see, I think, some of the psychological underpinning of this stuff. He was, like, in a foster situation. Mm. So he, mm. like, I, I don't want to, like, psychoanalyze Biz Marquis. I love Biz Marquis's music. But you see that this came from a very real place. Yeah. And, like, it's it's not just rap music bravado like he did Mm -hmm. feel this intense need to prove himself and he proved himself beyond what anyone could have possibly imagined in his own way though he didn't morph into the super mc archetype he recreated it yeah totally and just by being himself and like taking his like beatboxing skills his dancing skills his hosting skills his rapping skills his singing what do we call them skills I love it. <laughs> Maybe not for everyone. His vocalizing. His, his, right. vo- his vocalization. And yeah. uh, just like um, really being a true all-around entertainer. And this is one of my favorite hip-hop songs ever. We could say this and probably will say this many times throughout this list. But like I can guarantee you if Biz Marquis was not a shared interest of ours, this podcast would not exist. Like That's just mm. something we all agree on. That's like That's the kind of stuff we are into. So, yeah, the vapors. Don't Thanks. catch them. 22, La Boo. Oh, man. You in trouble now. Hey, some Republican, more money, step toppling. Close the deal before the Pellegrino stop bubbling. You said that with a question mark? Yeah. La Boo? La Boo. We ain't got nothing to prove. Um... No, uh, I'm not sure how to say it, but that's part of the the Makami mystique. Right, is he brought Haitian Creole um, into really, underground hip hop? Yeah, yeah, into underground hip hop, something that nobody was checking for or asking for. He really, through his sheer force of talent and will, um, brought it into the fore. And so this track, um, for me, just is a, a spine tingling. Affair. He had already cemented himself uh, with "Pray for Haiti" as being maybe the preeminent voice of this whole movement that we talked about. Um, that we kind of jumped on the, the merry-go-round of a couple years ago. But um, on on this particular track, I feel like he's so clear. Like the early mock records, it took me a long time to get into them. They can sometimes come across as like grading or like. Sometimes I think, Dave, you said it best. You're like, do I even like this? <laughs> like, he's going so hard, and it's so, 
Like, it's so filtered and so, like, over the top with his delivery, his early records. It, it took me a little while, so I, I can admit to being late to the train. But by the time we get here, um, Mach is just in rare form. The, the simplicity of the production, um, his clarity of voice, whenever I play Makami around my girlfriend, she does rapper hands and then asks, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> because his, his voice is maybe the best voice. It's the, like, the ultimate, like, sometimes you guys have, have pointed this out about several rappers very derisively, but they're doing rapper voice. Right. And he's doing rapper voice, but in, like, the best possible way. And it I works. feel like it, right. it just, it works so well. He brings the Haitian element um, into it. And so this track for me um, was just... Uh, one of those that really blew my mind. And this record, Balin's Cho, yeah. came out in the same year. The same calendar year. Same calendar year as Pray for Haiti. Um, so like that's the, why. It's like the Billy Woods hiding places, right. terror management. Exactly. It's just like you just like suplexed off the top rope. Dude. <laughs> like this is crazy. Totally. Double double crown. So uh, Mott Kami has, has figured large into the the new rap. That w that we we have come to know and love, and so I think that's he's kind of like he's a he would be a superstar if anyone knew who he was. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, like he doesn't want people to know who he is. Yes. You know? He he. Uh, there's very little written about Mock. He has uh, crafted a sense of mystique, um, and for a good reason, I'm sure. But um, I think what's interesting about this one is this rhyme is written and performed in such a way it could have been like a a hip hop quotable. Mm -hmm. in the source like it it could have been it just like the way it's written out you can tell it's like devastating rapping just right. from the words it's like before the pellegrino stops fizzling <laughs> it's just like it's just it's nice. just crazy how visual it is yeah. and how great it sounds and like he just he just rides these crazy like um melodic beats that are just i don't know they would be tough to tackle for a lot of people but his voice cuts through and he's just such a good rapper, and he, he he really had a coming out party that year. And it's it's hard for me to even say which is the better record, but I think I've listened to Balin's Cho more since, and it, it's probably my favorite project of his. So we wanted to include something for that, and th this track's just a killer. Big fan of Mox, obviously. I mean, he has like a, an understated style, but also he's comes out very sinister. And also, um, I think what stands out most is that he's very musical. Um, you know, the weird singing and stuff. And to answer my question that Damone mentioned earlier, yeah, I do like it, you know? Like, once he gets you on his wavelength, it's like, okay, you're making everything fit and everything's deliberate. And um, love the production on this album. My cut off of this is Elajan Sal, I believe. <laughs> but, um, yeah, to Nate's point, I mean, that year where he dropped those two albums, I mean, he should have gotten the tag team championship that year. Yeah. <laughs> Monstrous uh, output work rate. Was supposed to have a record this year. Had a couple listening parties for it. It doesn't seem like it's going to, it will drop this oh, year. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. He a literally. Solo? He, he, say what? A solo project? Yeah, a solo record. Uh, He's put out a couple of things with uh, the God Fahim. They have their dollar menu. I think a couple of those drop, which seem like older tracks. I know none of you are going to know the answer to this, but like with inflation, is there still a dollar menu? At McDonald's? Is it like the $5 I, menu I, now? I, I, this is really weird. I just went into this YouTube hole about this. Um, <laughs> I know. It's really weird. Really weird. I was watching. It's better than going through the drive-thru, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, every dollar menu since like 2013 or something are now value menus. Uh, and, and they're no longer a dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a dollar is that's that's tough. Yeah, yeah. can't get much for a dollar. Shout back to Common. 
Can I borrow a dollar? <laughs> I was I've been doing a big record purge lately and really like trying to Marie Kondo my shit and be like, Do I need this twelve inch of common? Can I borrow a dollar? Like that that was one it, it did stay because okay. it's the only song I like from Common's first record, but I was like Too common. Yes. <laughs> common denominator. <laughs> common place. Number twenty one. This is how it should be done by all natural. I'm bionic, ironic, sardonic, cynical, the pinnacle, critical, crucial, and communal like crucial. Pitiful and originals, we study in minerals that make up a non-soluble melanin molecule. This convinced not conventional, individuals invisible to your visual, and difficult to digest for dummies who detest that they can't pass the detest. Uh, the saga of me being an all-natural fan and us eventually <laughs> connecting with Capital D, who is uh, the main rapper, um in the group all natural the dj was tone be nimble which uh, it must be said cool name um was just years and years in the making we um we didn't really know how to approach and then um we finally connected we also threw uh caps kind of recent life stuff which we won't fully cover here go listen to the episode got to talk to juice the legendary battle mc and we were just on this run of doing these um chicago Uh. underground legends for a while and i was so cool to connect with capital d who's a rapper who i just really admire and who now um is the general counsel for the golden state warriors which is our favorite basketball team and like just um just it's just been a cool thing that like i get to i've gotten to connect with this person who i've always wanted to talk to there's been a couple of interviews on this show and we're going to talk about some of these people on this list because we're getting pretty high up on the list and so i put some things that are really important to me and it's more like they were really important to college me and Mm. now i have the connects platform (coughs) dave um to be able to like actually like there were there are many times i've been thinking about something i wanted to ask this person for like 20 30 years and then now i get to talk to them about it and so dope and having a podcast is super fun you should try it except for if it's about rap then you shouldn't um this is funny then this is a total aside we can get back to the song in a second but um i don't know if you guys are listening to this new season of what had happened was but on it there are all these commercials for will smith's new podcast about 1988 and he's like interviewing all of his peers and contemporaries about like the tours and stuff they went on in 1988 and i was like dude fuck off (laughs) like I know your career is in a lull because of what you did at the Oscars, but like, can we have a moment? Can we eat? Mm-hmm. Can mm-hmm. we like? Can you let some non-famouses cover 1988, right. please? Like, come on, dude! Like, you're like you're like a megastar. You're in Independence Day, dude. You don't have to be out here talking about it's, like uh, a, totally when Public Enemy dropped. That's what we do. Right. It's like when o- Obama and Bruce Springsteen linked up for a podcast. I'm like, do you know the two people we don't need to hear from on the podcast? <laughs> totally. Obama and Bruce Springsteen. Totally. Uh, so thank you for entertaining my digression. But yeah, All Natural, the, um, it, 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 I think it's fair to say, and we said it to his face, that, uh, that Cap does a Rakim-like flow on this Definitely. song. Yeah. But Definitely. he takes the lyricism to a very high level. This song's super great, great bass line, and um, just thank you guys for helping me create this space where I get to connect with these people who I've always wanted to connect with, and uh, Cap could not be a cooler guy. So Yeah, he, he was he was super cool to talk to, and I remember him just being really self-reflective, too. Right, right. Of saying, you know, he came from a particular place in life, and he's like, yeah, I was critical of some things that now that I'm older, you know, I could see that. Now, all Naturals music is very anti, like, commercialism. 
Like, yeah. it's very anti-getting signed. It's like it, yeah. independent is the only way. And it's like, I think we kind of see it's not the only way. But it's great. I don't know if we've ever talked to a rapper that kind of owned that. And that's was like, that's yeah. what was so beautiful yeah. about it. He's oh, super beautiful again. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> it wasn't beautiful. It was nice to hear. <laughs> uh, so Nate's going to get his thesaurus. But I was, uh, I was aware of All Natural, but not necessarily up on them. And you probably had, like, preservatives and stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> Some riboflavin. I was more of, of a red number five guy. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like. Through this program, there's been some artists which y'all have been really into, which has given me a foray into it. Like, I knew who they were. I had heard of it before. But, you know, I think we're on our trip to um, Thop Fest. Yeah, we were on yeah. our way back from Ontario, and I played it for you. And I was, oh, I was like, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was great to have him on the program. He floated out that we could hit him up to go to a Warriors game, and we are collectively all too afraid to ask. <laughs> We're waiting for them to get to the playoffs, right? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So it would be unnatural. This, not this year. Um, so great to talk to Cap. I mean, you can tell that within different spheres, he's a smart dude in the room. You know what I mean? So whether it's you know as a rapper or as an attorney for the dubs, um, again, really great to talk to him, really down to earth, and he really is like a Rakim 2.0 in like the best way, in the most like non-derivative way. And, um, yeah, huge fan of this song, huge fan of their work. It really also reminds me of, like, early college Dave as well. And, um, again, one of those moments on the show where it's like you're connecting to somebody who's kind of graduated from what we're talking about, but, mm. like, in the best way. Mm. Super reflective, um, super nuanced, and um, hopefully we'll catch a game soon. Absolutely, absolutely. Bring it on, organized confusion, number 20. This is my terminology, it strikes the mind and the speed of fortune over many styles. I choose more boosters from the start. I feel awkwardly, that's awkwardly. I know that's the rhythm. Incisions are made into the brain, and then I begin to give them a lobotomy. Follow me, I'm shaping your brain. I thought stress, the extinction extinction agenda was about getting bad weed. But <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> um, but what can you say about this song? Um it, it always makes me think about Dave Tompkins, and his quote was that Pharaoh Monch raps like he's in control of every cell of his body. Mm. And it's like, yeah, this song, you know, 20 years later, and I, would, and I would bet 40 years later and 80 years later, it's just one of the most, like, he's, he raps like he's possessed and um, very true to Dave Tompkins' quote. And it's ridiculous. I love this song so much. Um, I really think it is a good representation of organized confusion. And um, really like good the to concept, see the group. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you know, um, uh, we were lucky enough to have Pharaoh Mach on the program again. So just wonderful big, dude big to talk to. Us, dude, that was amazing. Totally, totally. He was funny and and was so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing I remember from that interview most was His like toys. He had toys yes, in the background. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, I knew he had. He was into toys because are the action figures. I don't know. Yeah, right, like. Right, right, right. Um, on Instagram, he'll bu put like little tableaus where like Wolverine is yes. fighting Sabretooth, but like Green Lantern is watching. It's right, like uh, it's right. like some like artfully uh, focused photos of these figures, and it's like it, it tracks. I don't know why. It's just like yeah. he like I I don't know. He's such a reflective person. We interviewed him for the Thirteen Project, so he was in like a different mm -hmm. kind of headspace. He wasn't like in the like killing MCs uh, mode at that time, but. Um, 
uh, I'm, I'll do the worst possible version of it, and you guys who know this song will know what I'm talking about. That la 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 la. I could listen to that on a loop all day. Like I just, I love that. I don't know exactly what it is he does, but stopping time, kinda to do yeah. that, and then going back into just the, the the illest verse of all time. And Prince Poe is dope too. We had a whole conversation about Prince Poe off mic. We're not gonna repeat. Prince Poe is a really dope rapper as well, and comes off great on this song as well. And uh, I will say, before I kick it to you, Damone, for your thoughts, we lightly debated this in our text chat today, and we're going to end up putting Buckwild's remix on the playlist because I think that's the best version of the song. And oh, we really? just get to brag about uh, having interviewed Buckwild. Buckwild as well. <laughs> and that Buckwild interview is one where multiple people, especially people I know in real life, have come up to me and said, like, your interview with Buckwild is so funny how you're just like, do you know you're like Buckwild? <laughs> Like, do you know you're, like, one of the illest people to ever do this? Like, you shouldn't be waiting in line for shoes. Like, I've had multiple people come and tell me that that was a funny podcast moment. And I was like, I didn't know what to say, but I had to say something. I'm like, you're so great, dude. You're just such a great producer. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I, I, I do remember that. Yeah, I feel like Bring It On is one of those tracks. 94, for me, was a an important year in the sense that I feel like lyricism had been developing every year at a consistent clip up until that time. And I consider stress in this song uh, in particular to be kind of a high watermark um, in terms of after this rap kind of goes in a different direction and the craftsmanship that you're talking about, the dexterity. Monch yeah. has the dexterity. Like he can do things with his voice that other folks can't. Uh, Andre 3000 kind of has this as well. Right. Um, but this song in particular if you were trying to be a badass MC at that time, you knew it. It's like a giant steps type of thing. Like you knew it. You had to be able to run it down and sh- and show others that you knew uh, all the words to it and how to say it. So I feel like this, along with um, a lot of uh, freestyle fellowship things, were the far end of the pool in terms of like lyrical craftsmanship. And and Pharaoh's just always been there, man. Like he's. He sits atop a throne that um, few others have reached. If we're just talking about effing rap lyrics, and he has a other he has other facets to its game too. Like when I saw him, this was maybe in like 2013 or something like that. Um, people would, were begging him to do "Bring It On." And he wouldn't do it. Yeah, like he's kind of like I'm 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 past that. He wouldn't bring it. <laughs> Shaping our disappointment like pottery. Um, <laughs> but that was the murmur in the crowd. Even then, you know, a decade or so removed from that song, um, it, it had that impact. I will say, if I saw Pharaoh Monch, I would love to see Pharaoh Monch. I would definitely want to see him do at least his verse. I know they're not right. a group anymore, but I, I don't go to concerts hoping they'll do this one song. It's like a really good way to not enjoy a concert. But mm-hmm. um, I just think, yeah, I would love to he- see him do this live sometime. Yeah. Like, just... Just so I could do it with him. Destroy that, it. That's what that's about. Like I wanted to do that with that. That was it, a. It moment does have an epic yellow long chorus. Like yeah. the the crowd could just uh, handle that part. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just legendary, legendary, legendary. It was it was great to have him on the program, and I missed the discourse where y'all argued about it. Um. But the the Buckwild reference, I'll give you that. We were stressed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the way he elongates his sentences and. And slows things down. It's really like he. It feels like he's slowing down time when he's doing a verse, and, and he stutters and slows down and speeds up. Yeah. It's really ridiculous. I saw him um, warming up 
backstage at the Napa Fest two years ago. Oh, wow. And he was, like, in this big, like, almost like, it looked like a big coat. And he's walking around by just by himself and just looking like a shaman. And I'm, lo- I'm just like, how does this guy even prepare? You know, try rapping along to a Pharaoh Monch verse. It's, imp- right. it's, inc- it's impossible. Right. So, anyways, just really cool to get, like, those behind-the-scenes moments. And what an honor to have him on the show. Number 19, MC Paul Barman, MF Doom, and Prince Paul. Hot guacamole. It ain't all about the dollar bill. You can be dead broke and be a scholar still. That's true. What question should I ask you? Uh, what type of ill type of tricks do the mask do? Okay, what type of ill type of ill tricks do the mask do? The face plate remove and I give chicks tattoos. But then they can see your face. I make them look the other way. I almost caught a case off that same shit the other day. And Grady's truck is where I first got lucky. In the 80s now, I make the ladies say yucky like Sandy. Look, that those mustaches balls. Sorry, I have to point out. I, I made this list. I should have known this weeks ago it's so funny to go from pharaoh Monch to paul barman <laughs> it's i think it's natural we it's our deal it's our steez we have talked to both we respect both uh, there are people who hate mc paul barman and who would think this is a travesty and i hope that you all keep listening because we're going to talk about this right now but please go on yeah it's um maybe a rough transition for some but um to me mc paul barman is elite like he is elite in what he does with Word words. Yeah. With words, unique. Um, his interview with us, top five, <laughs> top five, <laughs> fucking bonkers. Like, I don't. I don't feel bad about missing any many of the things that I've. You know, three of us have schedules, and right. I just couldn't be there that day. I believe I was physically ill. Um, but I listening to that after having not been there because I was producing the show at that time. Right. I heard everything. So to hear it come back where I couldn't be there, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. It's one amazing of my favorite podcast interviews. interviews. <laughs> uh, it's so dope. I, I The number is escaping me now, but definitely go back and check that out. And you get a sense of, like, how aware <clears throat> and present he is in everyday conversation. And then you go back and listen to the raps, and, like, it's 100% there. You can be like, okay, it's a Poindexter voice or whatever. That's how he talks. Right. And like he right. really um, on this track, Hot Guacamole, where he's trading bars with one of the greatest rappers of all time. And there there's no drop off. They're right. They're right there mm-hmm. going back and forth. And uh, when we talk to uh, Josh Gondelman, it's just the more we talk, I'm like, oh, we went outside, too. We met with Josh Gondelman when That's he was true. in town. That's true. Uh, this was a track when we asked him on a Thanksgiving episode a couple of years back to pick a track that meant a lot to them. He, he picked Hot Guacamole. Um, I would never have guacamole hot, though. That's the That's point. Just, <laughs> That's <laughs> the yeah. whole point. Yeah. yeah, I don't. It would liquefy, no, Nate? Uh, not liquefy, but it would um, like oxidize really fast. Right, right. Like um, guacamole. Have you ever been to uh, or had this at uh, Zona Rosa? They do like a um, pistachio and bacon guacamole. Mm. It's like gilding the lily, kind of. It's like three things that are really fatty all together. It's quite good, but you need like other people at the table to have it. Yeah, but the right. pistachios and the bacon are kind of warm, mm-hmm. and it's like you have to eat it fast because, right. like, you know, if you leave an avocado out, it'll yeah, start yeah. to turn it's brown. Right. It's like that's happening like right in front of you. Yeah. But I just, it's like the smooth and creaminess I think is best enjoyed at like room temp. But but yeah. this song is hotter than room temp. <laughs> uh, <laughs> super hot. It's got it's got a, a super familiar sample. We were kind of talking uh, pre-recording about mm-hmm. how they get away with it or whatever, but it it, it captures the goofiness of MF Doom, right, and I think right. Paul Barman lives in a space of silliness and play right, in a way right. that I think bothers people. I think sometimes folks want this shit to be like real tough guy 
chest out type shit. Right, and Paul right. Barman isn't that at all. Totally. Um, but and he's right. And and he's and he's right. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't offer that for every pencil neck rapper, but <laughs> uh, or any of the other ones really. Yeah. But <laughs> this dude just has bars, dude. Right. Uh, the bars so are fun. so carefully thought out. They're so carefully written. So fun. Yeah. And uh, this song in particular, and I, I really like that uh, Gondelman brought that up and you bringing that up because I totally forgot. But um, it, it it's so fun and it's so exuberant and it's like it's like um, Doom the cartoon meeting um, mm. Paul Barman in a in a comic strip. You know what I mean? And and the back and forth interplay is great. The the Sunny Sample, which we brought up brought up earlier, was amazing as well. Um, huge fan of huge fan, and it's like everybody like recognized Paulman's. Uh, Paulman's, Barman's <laughs> um, uniqueness, you know, uh, from Questlove to Automator to Prince Paul, you know, and we're lucky to have had Paul, uh, Barman on the show, and Prince Paul, I would say, is a friend of the program, For sure. and, you know, I was uh, lucky enough to speak to Doom back in the day, and so this song is sort of like the crux of everything and just the intersectionality of how everything came together, so really love it. Number 18, No Souls Dopus Opus, Saya and Yeshua. Archery through parched lips, I ain't rhymes that main mimes The verbal darts are rip your heart, skips a beat Rip your seat or you can dip your feet in the clear blue Here to defrost your rear view If you're lost, then I can steer you to where I travel um, this soundtrack, like year one or two in college for me, and uh, it, it's one of those albums w that really represented a time for me where I was like rejecting the radio. Mm. And to hear this later, um, I, th I still think it holds up. Um, some of the same stuff that I um, that was around at the time competing for my attention when I hear when I hear it now it definitely does not hold up. So it's really glad to see this. Um, that people still appreciate it. And when we've got them both on the program, um, it was really cool to see a groundswell of support for them and that people were out there listening to their music and wondering how these guys have been. And it felt like a coup to get them on. So it was really nice to have them on. And um, yeah, what can you say about like one of the dopest independent um, releases ever? Um, shout out to uh, Bobito for making another Fondalum thing that we love. Super enigmatic. Um, in the sense that they did this thing that was super popular and then they kind of disappeared. I don't know if it's super popular. I think it's kind of like revered, right. partly because of right. its mystique. They probably sold like 3,000 copies or something. And now the copy is worth 3,000. <laughs> um, I mean, popular kind of in an underground I know sense. This mean, is yeah, kind yes. of when I was like offboarding from this type of sound, but even I remember people being very excited about this. And so when we had them on separate but equal... Um, they uh, the the reaction to it. Um, I think we kind of found our tribe. Yeah, when we um, and like I really want to make a tribe called Quest joke, but there's just not a good one. But um, that would like when we like we had Yesh on earlier, and Yesh is still kind of an active figure. He still does music. He's on like that um stuff with like jazzy spastics and yeah. like other kind of like boom bappy kind of stuff. Now Saya was more of a mystery. And having him on and, like, debut a song where he mentions our name and yeah, just, like, him wanting to talk after all that time was so great. That, that like, led us to interacting online with Aesop Rock a little bit, which was so cool. It was just, like, so many cool things came out of this. And I'm glad they know 
that we hold their music in high regard and that we think they're some of the illest lyricists and that they put out a great project and whether or not they continued along the normal path of what you would uh, travel uh, taking the Tooken Road or whatever to say in the song, <laughs> um, the, that we got to kind of give props. And, like, I wouldn't even call it flowers. I would just say, like, we as people who think about this a lot, who talk about it a lot, who are interested in a lot of different music – circled in on them as something that's really important and that we wanted to shine a light on and um we're lucky that this track even exists on spotify because it was on a compilation because i really wanted us only to do songs that are on there because that's where we do our playlists off right. of so we had to make some kind of accommodations here but uh listen to this song and tell me that this isn't top-notch rapping Next song up is Films by Sonic Sum featuring Mike Ladd. Very similarly um, to the last uh, segment that was on Saya and Yeshua, um, I and my buddy Hago um, were obsessed with Sonic Sum when we were in college. And um, it's just uh, Rob Sonic, as he goes now, the the lyricist for Sonic Sum, um, came on and did a great interview on the show. We've interacted outside of that a little bit. Um, he's just a, a great dude and like someone who I really admire. And the, what I wanted to talk about in this little segment, because... I'll be honest with you guys. Uh, this is a cool song, and I, I really like Mike Ladd, and I really like Sonic Sum, but I wanted to put Kalorama Gabla or one of their main mm. songs, or like Himbro Street, or mm. one of their main songs from the album I really like, yes. which is the Sanity Annex, but it's not on Spotify for reasons I now understand, and I've talked about with Rob both on the show and in real life, and um, I understand it's it, there's a lot tied up in it for him, and it's probably not going to happen, and that's fine. However... I wanted to say, and I wanted to take get your guys' kind of thoughts on this, I think, and I've spent a good portion of my, whatever you call it, punditry career, journalistic career, really focusing in on things that are super important to me and I think are important. And I think it's very worthwhile to do with your time in such a connected, uh, public, um, internet-y, networked way is to be a big, big fan of people who are not popular. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's it's worth it to like be like you know what I to champion to champion. Right. We fucking love Sonic Sum. Like right. I that's like the music I think is really dope. Their poetic take on things, the way the music interacts. We've since gotten to know Preservation, who was part of that a little bit. The guy's like a fountain of musical ideas. Right. Fred Ones, um, like just it's just it's 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 cool to me, and I come from an underground sensibility to be the person who's like yeah i fuck with that i think it's as good as like organized confusion i think mm -hmm. it's as good as run the jewels i think mm -hmm. it's as good as other things that are contemporaneous with it that don't have that kind of shine and i'm very happy to plant a flag and be like i think this is important i think everyone should listen to this you can like it or not like it but you have to include it in the conversation when you're kind of talking about like the cypher era the backpack era yeah um, and it's it's worth it to me to spend time on this program doing that. And we've met a lot of other people that's important, too. So I just kind of wanted to step up on the soapbox for a minute because mm -hmm. I don't you know, this is not my favorite song. But I think it's important to champion songs like this. And these guys are both incredible um, with their kind of poetic take on emceeing. And I, that's just something we've gotten to do with the show that's important to me personally. Yeah, I feel like. Um the show has been a platform for 
these nooks and crannies of, of things that may not have gotten their proper shine. I, I just feel like there was a whole crop of artists in the mid to late 90s that did cool things, but because the tide had already shifted. Mm. Uh, I think this album comes out three or four years earlier. You consider it different um, than it's considered now uh, just because the music industry is dumb and people are stupid and they don't know what they want. So <laughs> I feel like uh, <laughs> I've been saying just saying that a lot That's when I'm funny. like, why wasn't that more popular? Because people are stupid and they don't know what they want. That's really funny. Um, so I, I, I appreciated getting to know this record uh, through Nate's Obsessions, which I think that just needs to be a segment coming <laughs> up next year. <laughs> Nate's Obsessions. But also I thought I found Rob Sonic to be a, a super cool uh, down to earth cat who's been a great follow on Twitter. Right. Um, seems like he, he bets on the games a little bit. And <laughs> I like rappers like that. For, I like rappers that have, like, you know, he, he has this underground backpack persona, but he's also kind of a dude our age. And, like, um, so I think it's a great fit for this particular, for the dad bod 50 aesthetic. Um, I feel like Rob Sonic's definitely a part of that. Yeah, he, he's an incredible dude, which is really cool to uh, find out as, you know, through the processes of doing this show. Um, him and I have DM'd about, like, mental health and stuff, so it's like, mm. okay, very awesome, um, just as a human being. And um, this al- or this song couldn't have been more um, aptly titled. I mean, his, visu- uh, his uh, lyrics are so visual, you know, as Nate mm-hmm. would say. Um, what detail? Novelistic Cinematic. Detail. Novelistic, Novelistic detail. Novelistic yeah. detail, you know, and, and the way he writes and the... You mentioned earlier, Damone, about like when music hits you, and like when this hit me, I was like, "Oh, Gangstar exists, and this exists." You know right. what I mean? Mm, right. Incredible. Um, in my stacks of promos, I have the film's promo, and it's one of my, you know, one of my more treasured items. So, shout out to Rob. Shout out to the song, and uh, been trying to get Mike Ladd on the program as well. He lives in Paris. France right now, yeah. so a little difficult, but tough um, with the time change on that one. But I, I think if we continue doing the pod for a while longer we can we can arrange it like yeah, i'll totally. wake up at 5 a.m on a saturday or something totally. I, i'm more like let's get to paris <laughs> i'd rather put let's energy go. in like actually being All right you're like you're thinking uh, yeah. you guys everyone out there pray for paris <laughs> <laughs> oh man but yeah love love the song if you can amplify it in any way for anyone who's never heard it i mean gotta check it out number 16 Tall, arm and hammer Too late for dialogue, man, talk to who? She ain't raised no fool, I rode through Idaho like dual. This game, they don't explain the rules. Pack house, pew the vegetable. Blue vegetables, earthy vegetable notes, barely legible, but no less true. So I, I've talked about this song a bunch, actually, because every time we get into, like, the How Amazing Arm & Hammer or Billy Woods is conversation, I always come back to this song as um, an example of how they've taken the craft further. When we talked about Bring It On uh, with Pharaoh Munch, I was like, that was a high watermark for lyricism. He was doing things that hadn't been done at a skill level and dexterity that had yet to be seen. And that's kind of the way I think about this song. Um, shout out to Large Pro who, who made it. Um, if you can lock into what time signature it is and where the rap should start and where it should end, I will give you $5 because, like, I listen to rap my entire life, and I literally sit and try to figure these things out, and I can't. So, to me, now we're talking about whenever I can't figure something out, I go, that's jazz. (laughs) 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 That's jazz, man. Like, that's 
that's a level of musical sophistication that right. um, is a little bit beyond me. And so that to me is is awe-inspiring in the sense that, um, again, you know, I've seen them do this song live and they're not just saying words over a track. Like it is synced up. I just don't understand what the rhythm and the meter are. And you have to understand for me, that is quite unsettling and amazing. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, I'm just in awe of this track. And I think it's a good example of how, even though some, there's a discourse, Nate, you missed on Twitter about Billy Woods raps off beat. Oh, God. Um, I wouldn't say I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> it missed you. Uh, consider yourself lucky. Oh, but, um, yeah, it's it's kind of like, no, he, he doesn't rap off beat. He's the beat. Like, right, this right. is Max Roach tapping out a rhythm that is not easy for you to follow until you say it's off beat. So I think Detall, which has no drums on it, um, is a great example of that. And it's not just like this rhythmic exercise. Um, Billy Woods, of course, is just saying funny shit. Like right, right. he was waiting for, she was waiting for us to go home to break out the coke. <laughs> like, like what? That's so on point. Number fifteen. Bubbles by Anti-Pop Consortium. High beam, leading your team out of the forest, deserted mines, thirsty for water, grab the camcorder. Before the whole thing dries up, uh huh. Watch the packs double. Caps and caps, this track is called Bubbles. Follow the bright light like a train through the tunnel. I'll move crowds like Larry Levan. Very advanced, invariably man's arrogance. Sure you all know this song, uh, Anti Pop Consortium, a huge global chart topping <laughs> act. And we all know that this is the saga of the uh, tragic character from The Wire, Bubbles. Um, one of the great portrayals, Andre Royo, uh, really brings you inside the heart of a junkie. None of what I just said is true. Um, <laughs> Bubbles is Anti-Pop Consortium's only fun song, and it's on their uh, their second album, and I'm a huge Anti-Pop Consortium fan, and uh, we also talked about this song in that Josh Gondelman episode. Mm. Um, but w the, one of the reasons I want to bring this up is I've always been a big Anti-Pop Consortium fan. I, I forget who said it, but in an article, they're like, why are they named like an emo band? from like Gary, Indiana, <laughs> like in the early 90s. Um, but, you know, um, I think what they represented for me when I was younger was like uh, an eclecticism, uh, a cosmopolitanism, a really like uh, we don't give a fuck. Um, we are underground rappers. We're art rappers, and we're just going as far left as we can take this, and I love that. And then they have this this like kind of fun, bouncy song out of nowhere, and um, – I, w I always think about this, and it was really, really dope to talk to Beans um, mm, from Anti-Pop um, when we had him on the show a couple years ago. And the first time I ever met Open Mike Eagle, I went to go see his comedy show as the New Negroes with Baron Vaughn when it was touring. And my wife and I went out to Santa Cruz and had dinner and then watched The Late Show at, um, I, don't e I don't even think it's like a comedy venue. It was like a movie theater, kind of. Um, and uh, I hung around afterwards, and it got to the point where me, my wife, and Mike were the only people in the room, and it was, like, clear that it was long past I was time for me to go. And Mike kind of was like, what's up, dude? And I was like, I'm Nate from Dad Bod Rap Pod, and I'd, we've interacted online a little bit, and I just wanted to meet you. And Mike stopped with you. I, now I know exactly what he was doing. He was packing up his little machine thing that he does the beats on, mm -hmm. putting it in his rolling suitcase, and, um, you know, he stopped what he was doing. He came off the stage. We bro-hugged. He... he gave me time we taught we had a good conversation he was like i like what y'all do like blah 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 and then i i was 
I knew it was the end of a long day for him. I wanted to let him go. So I was like, all right, dude, I'm going to go. But, like, you know, we should talk sometime. Like, really into what you're doing, blah, blah, Maybe blah. Maybe you should start a podcast network yes, and then have ex- us be a part of it. Exactly. <laughs> just thoughts. Just I was thoughts. transmuting all that <laughs> mentally at the time. I was really vibing. And then I, I remember I was walking down the corridor to exit the theater. And Mike calls after me. And he's like, hey, who's next on the show? And I was like beans from anti-pop consortium and he got this look which i've seen mike give several other times in my life where he was like oh (laughs) and i think he really liked that answer number 14 chum earl sweatshirt been 12 years since my father left left me fatherless and i just used to say i hate him been dishonest just when honestly i miss this nigga like when i was six and every time i got the chance to say i would swallow at 16 i'm hollow intolerant skip shots of storm that whole bottle i show you a role model drunk pissy pissing on somebody front lawn trying to figure out how and when the fuck i miss I can't believe this album is over 10 years old now. Um, I love it so much. I loved it off of the jump. And, and this song especially. I mean, this album, I think, is one of the best debuts of all time. And this song has so many quotables for me, especially personal ones. You know, the one where he's talking about immigrants and talking about being too white for the blacks and too black for the whites. And when he started talking about his pops at the start. And I'm really glad to see Earl, you know, get his flowers. And I, I really think it's uh, measured by all the Earl spawns, you know what I mean? And... Um, to see Earl sort of grow up in front of our eyes is incredible. Um, big fan of this album. Big fan of what he's doing. Um, he's like a forever creative sort of introvert. You know, doesn't want to leave his house type dude, and which I very much, you know, am of that ilk. So, um, shout out to Earl. Really glad to see this on the list. Um, one of my favorite albums and songs of all time. Yeah, um, Earl had a crazy year this year um, with the Wadir project, and I've listened to that quite a bit. I was listening to it over the weekend, and then um, when I listened to Chum today, I was like, "Oh, I miss the old Earl." Yeah, yeah. It, it's oh like, yeah, yeah. I like yeah. Er- Earl's first EP um, was straight up mind blowing. Like, I still have the burned disc. My buddy Jeff, who worked at the record yeah. store, made for me. Um, when Odd Future was first coming out, that was a time I was not super engaged with a lot of what was going on, but I knew that he was special, mm. and I I liked his old cadences a lot. Yeah. Like his his like he like uh, it's like he's um, kind of like falling down the stairs. Yes, I was gonna I use the term uh, tuck and rolls. Yes, totally. <laughs> um, he just like he'll he'll tuck some extra internals in, yeah. and it's just it, yeah. it was such a great style. I understand why he moved away from it. No one can stay fifteen forever or whatever, um, and I don't want that for him i think what he's become as an artist is equally impressive and has like taken people really on a ride like through sludge village and back (laughs) out the other end and um just did a big tour this year and is one of the leading lights of this thing and you know if anyone who knows him is listening we'd really like to talk to him (laughs) i know he doesn't really do interviews i respect that but i think we'd have a good conversation and uh we could keep it on craft if you ever wanted to talk to someone about the craft of rapping or to talk about some other music just uh, just about some hip-hop shit we would i think have a really good talk but anyway um yeah this song really brought me back when i was listening. have to you it heard the term nate of uh a dust head yes i mean not in terms of just doing angel dust <laughs> <laughs> which i know you're very familiar with um, what are you trying to say yeah exactly um i came across this on on the the interwebs of folks referring to if you're into what we would call sl- sludge village that makes you a dusthead because i guess uh 
Lil Yachty was on his podcast. Again, people who don't need podcasts. But <laughs> Lil Yachty was on his podcast trying to hit his co-host to like, hey, you should listen to Wiki. Like, you should listen to Wiki and Earl. Wow. Um, cool. Which is, yeah, which is kind of crazy. But um, the the commenter referred to it as like, yeah, that's pretty brave for him to try to turn people into dust heads. Um, which I thought is, was is hilarious. This like, like you're so old, you fart dust. Like no, no, no. Like I think a it's a reference to the to the, and I've never done age old dust, but to the to the sound, right? But if like, you have any, yeah, <laughs> the sludge sound, kind the of sludgy, yeah, this kind of sludgy. Like um, when I think of Earl, I always think of a, a record like Feet of Clay, which is not his best record, but in the sense that if you like that, yeah. you're a particular type of person, right? A you're, dust you're, head. <laughs> yeah, you're dusted, right? Uh, that <laughs> so that's that's why it resonated with me. Um, even to call it stonerish, I don't think is enough. Like right. it's so where he's gone. So it's interesting to see that this song comes up because he has he's I don't want to say moved on, but he's just on a different thing now, um, which took me a while to kind of come around to. But um, I feel like Earl is a generational talent, and he's taken his generation on the ride with him. Um, Tyler kind of went in a slightly different, a little bit more poppier R&B direction. Yeah, almost like a, um, conducting the orchestra, the studio as instrument mm. kind of thing. Er- Earl's just an MC. Right. Yeah, right. Earl, Earl is a rapping ass I don't, rapper. I don't mean just. You guys know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, but but he, he doubles down into, this is about fucking words and beats. Like, the, the singing hooks, right. whatever. Like Everything's distilled, right? Yeah, everything is like just straight down to uh, a. <laughs> everything's dusty. Um, so yeah, I, I I remember hearing Doris and being like, these kids listen to MF Dome. Like these kids right. are like taking the shit that everybody's like, oh, you kids need to listen to blah blah blah. Like they actually did it, um, and it made them amazing rappers, and they were able to take it. When you think about Odd Future's imprint, like we're in my house right now, where fucking Frank Ocean gets played twice a day, like. You know what I mean? Like, and, and well, for the listeners at home, by your son, right? Yes, by myself. <laughs> yeah. Although, listening to it, now we're on a, diff- on a tangent, but listening to uh, Blonde, he got me to understand Blonde because he played it so much. I was like, Someday if, you can explain it to me. Uh, if I was Frank Ocean, I also wouldn't make another record. Totally. I'd be like, No, I did that. I fuck with Blonde. I fuck yeah. with Frank Ocean. Yeah. And you I'm fuck with Blondes generally. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jokes, jokes. Shout out to Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I feel like um, I know what you mean by you miss kind of the old uh, Earl. He, just, he had a great style when he right, was younger, right. man. He d- it seems like naturally blessed with this ability to uh, put words together in a way that's hella rappy. Right. And it's like that's not the most uh, cogent uh, an- analysis you're going to hear in this couple of hours. <laughs> but like I don't hella know how else to say it, man. He just like he had a gift. And it's it's been interesting to watch him hone that and become a bigger, better artist. But the just his like intricacies of his initial writing were so exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of rhymed too. So if anybody wants to use that, <laughs> I knew Nate wouldn't pass up an opportunity to let you know that rhyme. Exciting writing. Um, but I feel like th- of of the artists that we we cover, he's the only one who took this let's call it teen stardom. And turned it into an underground rap career. In terms of like commercialness, he's almost devolved. I always wonder what the folks at Sony feel like right, when he right. turns in records. Right. 
Like, well, here's feet of clay. Like, what? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> east? Like, is this, like, chickens cawing and they you're, just, like, They just take uh, the spreadsheet and they take the whole tan Cressida column and just move it over. <laughs> just like, that's not going to recoup. I, I interviewed Earl, like, right around the time this record came out. Uh, it was a feature for Wax Poetics. And he was in high school. No. Dude, he barely just got out. He just got out of high school. And this is when he was sent to, like, Guam or something. Yeah. Samoa. And, oh, yeah. Right. And people were making, like, free Earl free shirts. Earl. And yeah. I remember talking to him and he was just very guarded. Because yeah. I'm just another dumb fucking journalist trying to talk to him, you know? Yeah. And uh, to see his growth, I mean, I, I, he's so wise on this album and this song that it kind of makes you forget that you're talking to a kid. I got a letter from the government the other day. I opened and read it. It said they were suckers. They wanted me for their army or whatever. Picture me giving a damn. I said never. Here is a land that never gave a damn about a brother like me and myself because they never did. I wasn't with it, but just that very minute it occurred to Number 13, Black Steel in the Hour of Chaos, Public Enemy. What do you say about one of the best songs ever, one of the best verses ever? Um, I was just looking this up for just, uh, just some extra tidbits. And interesting fact, um, Chuck wanted Joey Ramone to be in the video to play a prisoner. Oh, wow. And apparently Ramone declined because Griff said some statements that could have been perceived as anti-Semitic. Oh, could have been perceived? <laughs> <laughs> so did Kanye. <laughs> right, right, right. No, exactly. Um, but yeah, one of the best verses ever. I can rap every line. Um, Chuck's voice is still very much intact. And, you know, what can what can we say about Chuck? I mean, he lectures and drops so much wisdom. And yeah. um, the way the beat just drops on this song, I mean, if we're talking... If we're talking about iconic, I mean, this is certainly up there for me. Um, one of the best songs ever written, one of the most insightful things ever. Chuck's voice is perfectly captured. And, um, yeah, what else can you add to this, like, you know, mountain of praise for a song that deserves it? One of the best opening lines? 100. I, I, I got a letter from the government the other day. I opened and read it and said that they, they were, were suckers. suckers. Um, I got an argument with... I went to summer school because I was not good at school and often had to go to a summer school to uh, complete the grade I had just completed. Um, and I think I was in eighth grade summer school and we did so one of those kind of like poetry type of assignments and like I The teacher turned the chair around and sat backwards <laughs> to talk to you guys. It was actually <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer who, uh, <laughs> who ran the summer school. Shit, I'd go to summer school if it was like that. <laughs> Uh, I, w I was literally a dangerous mind. But um, <laughs> I got into, like, an argument with the teacher because of the line where um, Chuck talks about, um, I I'm a black man and I can never be a veteran. Um, and I didn't, I didn't fully understand all of the context, but, like, Chuck is, I've said this before, public, en public enemy radicalized me politically. And I just have these vivid <coughs> memories of having this back forth with my teacher about, like, well, given what's happened to black people in this country, I don't think we should do military service, which is like a Black Panther tenet of right. the, the 10 points of the Black Panther program. But, um, and I just remember having this, like, discussion, and now I'm like, and I, I'm going to sound 100 years old, what record that's hot today would do that? Like, right. you'd be like, teacher, I'd like to talk about wet-ass pussy. If we could. <laughs> if we could for a moment. And I love that song. Don't get me wrong. But um, it just it just is a testament to how heavy that shit was. Right, um, right. The video is a whole prison scene, which I really wish Joy Ramone would have pulled up for. Yeah, that would have been, um, been nuts. <laughs> but uh, I remember my mom going. Talking about dust heads. <laughs> <laughs> 
I want to be incarcerated. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> nice. I'm nice. sorry. <laughs> um, I, I remember watching that video and my mom being like, prison's not cool. Like, don't you ever think that prison is cool? Like, wow. It, and I was like, I that's not what's being said here. Right, and, right. And it remind it was one of those things where I'm like, no, they have a message, and I'm able to discern what the message right. is, and I understand it. They were making a statement on the prison industrial complex in fucking 1988. Right. Um, just br- brilliant. The be like everything. everything, just pure brilliance. Uh, there's not a ton more for me to add. I will just say I'm going to encourage those of you listening. Don't let Public Enemy be in a glass cube in a museum. Listen mm. to them. Listen to them now. Listen to the listen to the good records. Listen to the kind of later records that like you 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 didn't mess with because it wasn't the classic Def Jam stuff. Like listen to Chuck, and I think your your life will be enriched. Um, the early stuff is so mind blowing. It's really the second, third, and fourth records that are truly mind blowing. But listen to Bum Rush. When was the last time? You downloaded Bum Rush the show on your phone and listened to the whole thing in your car over a right. commute or five. Love Bum um, Rush. Yeah, me too. Um, but I do think they're over discussed while being under listened yes. to Ooh, in yes, the modern yes, day. Yes, yes. Um, and maybe not over discussed. Who's really talking about Public Enemy except for dudes our age who love Public Enemy? But you guys know but, what I mean, but right? A, but as an idea and also um, to the Billy Woods lyric, uh, symbols eclipse the things they symbolize. The public enemy symbol has resurfaced as a as a hipster uh, fashion. Shout out to John Connor. Yeah, uh, fashion um, iconography, not to the same level, of course, but kind of in that like Che Guevara way, where the image and the visage of the logo. Right. It's so funny uh, picturing it now. I picture the mat, the Quasimodo. Well, I was going to say Doom. It's me and the P.E. logo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sick. So sick. But, yeah, no, that's, that's a great call, Nate, because I do feel like uh, Public Enemy has been has been kind of shelved in that way. You know it's supposed to be important. If you ever wrote a college paper and you were like, uh, Chuck D. once said that hip-hop yeah. is black people's CNN – then you owe Chuck <laughs> D an hour of your life to actually right. listen to his music. And, and, also and let's stop trotting that one out. They don't even have CNN anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if they did, Public Enemy is way cooler than Anderson Cooper. Um. <laughs> Number 12. Oh, man, we're getting there, guys. Uh, this is a newer track, Fly Pelican by Fatboy Sharif and Roper Williams. Sky settled in, cyanide mescaline, tie-dye evidence, fly pelican, my kingdom, heaven sent. When they pressured him, hover Mount Everest, carried by five elephants. My bad bitch, see-through, police flew, 4 a.m., Robitussin out the teaspoon. Zion is too fat. So the only fly pelican is this fat boy Sharif song. Nice. Uh, so uh, I don't know what I mean. Uh, we oh, Fatboy Sharif is such a person we've uh, come to get to know who we've enjoyed their company from doing the show. I was just telling the story to someone the other day when Fatboy Sharif started showing up, um, kind of chatting about uh, hip hop with us on Twitter. I didn't even know he rapped. He's just like, <laughs> yes, ins- yes, yes, yes. He's right. just an insanely deep underground hip-hop head mm-hmm. who's really super into Cool Keith and, like, macabre hip-hop. Right. And um, he's made a lot of cool music in his time, and you might hear more about that in the near future. But, like, 
Fly Pelican is the standout track from his so far standout album, um, Gandhi Loves Children with Roper Williams. We've had Roper and Sharif on. We've had Sharif on multiple times. I've really enjoyed talking to him. He's a swirling ball of energy. Um, I, f- you know, not famously, but once uh, I, I think I distilled his essence as a rapper down when we talked to him the first time. It's uh, he's basically just listing uh, uncomfortable or like <laughs> ma- bad things, unsettling, uh, yeah, words totally. li- listing unsettling topics in a, an extremely um, entertaining way. And Fly Pelican and its minimal beat, its gospel hook and kind of moan and just like crazy baseline that Fatboy Sharif uh, points out. It's just, it's it's a modern classic if people would give it its due and it's probably underheard. If you look at the Spotify listens on this, you'll be shocked at how low they are. Why don't you do them a favor and throw this on a playlist and bump this up? This song is fucking amazing. Um, Sharif is one of the leading lights of this underground movement. He's a truly unique person and um, this is the standout track. I think in a couple years, Sharif's going to be that artist that people lied about being on too early. Of course. <laughs> right. right. He, he totally has that kind of energy. Um, the last time Open Mike Eagle and Video Dave were here and I got to hang out with them a little bit, um, Mike was telling me about you have to see Fatboy Sharif live. Um, that his energy, the delivery, and like the just the presence. And I've seen little clips and stuff. Um Definitely shirtless, which <laughs> I, which I'll be honest, it, as a performer, there's a level of courage involved in that, especially if you don't have the typical uh, frame right. for it. It's not LL Cool J ripping his shirt off. No, 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 I mean, it's it's different. But he does have the tight fat. You've said this on more than one occasion. <laughs> it's true though. It's true. I'm get I get like Kamala WWF vibes. Yes, ex- excellent, <laughs> excellent comparison. <laughs> And I mean, I mean that in the best way, dude. Yeah, uh, huge fan of Sharif. Um, his non sequiturs are amazing. His his songs are like weird fever dreams. And I'm so here for his ascent. And um, I mean, I literally talked to him on the phone yesterday. So um, okay. he's very much like an, a normal dude. But you can see why fans of the culture and fans of music uh, orbit themselves around him because he's certainly special. And um, shout out to this song, um, which is my favorite from his. And um, Big fan of his material and uh, be on the lookout. We're working on some stuff with him coming forward. Hey, foreshadowing. It's that time of year, folks. It's the holidays. Uh, mm. If you're anything like me, that means that you're having some social anxiety around having to go to parties and you don't know where you're going to stand or what <laughs> drink you're going to have or who <laughs> you're going to glom onto a conversation with. Uh, you might have to see some people you haven't seen for a long time. And one thing that I will use to help me feel better about those situations are CBD products. We here at the DadBot Rap Pod recommend a particular strand of CBD product. It's called Dadgrass. Damone, you've tried it. Has yeah. it. Have you ever tried it at a holiday party? I have not, but that's such a good idea, Nate is the inventor of this term that I think about quite often called forced frivolity. <laughs> when, <laughs> when you have to... I'm more a victim of it. <laughs> but you turned it into such a concise, uh, meaningful term for me. And so, yeah, I think that would probably be a good idea. You know, hit, hit the loading dock, uh, take a few tokes of dad grass, which is totally legal in all of the states. It's not THC, it's CBD, which kind of gives you just like it, it mellows you out a little bit, just not to uh, take from addiction parlance, but it takes the edge off, does it not? 
It definitely does. Um, I find that it uh, puts me in a very productive uh, state of mind. Not always the case when in when taking THC, which we all know and love, but CBD products are just a little bit different. Dadgrass is legal, organic, smokable hemp that relaxes your body and mellows your mind. They're 100% organic pre-rolled joints are very low in THC and high in CBD, so you can enjoy the effects of cannabis while keeping a clear head. And all Dadgrass products are federally legal for ages 18 and over. It ships right to your door anywhere in the USA, and it's TSA approved. Um, I I wouldn't want to have that conversation with a TSA person necessarily, but they look (laughs) just like cigarette packs. They're very well designed. Um, When it shows up at your door, I think you'll like what you're seeing. And it really helps out the show when you support our sponsors. Currently, Dadgrass is the sponsor, so... Right now, Dadgrass is offering our listeners 20% off your first order when you go to dadgrass.com slash dadbod. Go to dadgrass.com, their website, slash dadbod, our little commercial plug-in hooky coupon code thingy. That's dadgrass.com slash dadbod for all your dadgrass needs. Support the show. Enjoy a mellow moment. Happy holidays, question mark? Smoke some mistletoe? I don't know. <laughs> Number 11, Super Hyphy, Keek the Sneak. We're all records, baby. Go game two. Stop the up my hammer, strap, I'm smoking purpose. And yeah, in hell I'm prime team miss, cause asthma attacks. Hitting niggas, taking early phase, got backs to wreck the scene. Shoot them with cannon, so how you gonna act? Relating, operating system. In that cutter, look for doing my business. Doing my business. Oh, drinking, throwing up the hullies. Solo, but on the low. Um, you know, anybody who's listened to this program for... 10 minutes knows and understands that uh, the producer of the song Tracks a Million was a childhood friend of mine, somebody who I created with and went on to be one of the architects of what became known as the hyphy sound. Um, this track in particular has become an anthem of sorts. In the Bay Area, unlike maybe LA, I, I can't speak for New York, definitely LA moves on. So whatever is happening, popping right now in L.A. is what's popping. Nobody's listening to jerk music right now. No, not really. (laughs) In the Bay, we hold our classics to be very close to the chest, and they kind of get added to the lexicon of of the way that we understand ourselves as Bay people. And I'm very proud to know that my dude produced one of the joints that has been part of the – the Bay Area fabric every fourth quarter of a Golden State Warriors game. They te- they're actually playing three tracks a million beats during games right now, which is which is amazing. Shout out DJ D Sharp. Hey D Sharp, um, who is a real Bay Area dude. So this song, um, we got to talk to tracks on episode thirty, and uh, I'll never forget because when you're friends with somebody, a story about how you created. Um, a song isn't necessarily something that we talk about, right? Like, and so when he told the story of of being in his apartment, I know exactly that apartment that he was in in South San Jose, and his cousins were. This is like oh oh five. His cousins were like dancing and kind of going dumb in the parking lot, and he just got the inspiration to make this incredible song with this rolling bassline, super fast. This was before hyphy actually was even a defined thing. But it was just making this like really up tempo, uh, bass heavy, sparse, really weird music. It's like an evolution of mob music and the things that came before it, but it's a lot faster. 
Um, and it's it's really genius. I had the 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 honor to uh, eulogize tracks at his at his funeral, and um, you know I was I ended on you know when you're somewhere in the Bay Area on any given night, like you'll just hear it in the distance, boom 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 boom. And it's kind of like a, a clarion call. It's like war drums. It's like all of those things. You'd hear it from like five blocks away. Um, and so, yeah, obviously a point of pride. It was great to have him on the program uh, to talk about the story, which I hadn't heard. It's great to have that living document. Um, and, yeah, so that, you know, obviously forever built into the, the fabric of this, of this program. But literally last week I heard somebody coming down 4th Street playing that song so yeah. I, I don't want to step on your lovely uh reminiscence there demon except for to say we also got to kind of close the circle and talk to keek yeah about it right. very briefly um sadly for all of us we did not know how to use our new at that point extremely new microphone at the time and the the recording is kind of fucked up but um to watch keek size you up yeah and when you walked up and have that moment of recognition and to ha see you guys um have be able to have that moment of kind of closure and to talk about your mutual friend was um very moving and this is a great song um i'm not going to pretend to be a hyphy dude but um i know a good beat when i hear it yeah. and this is certainly an all-timer and uh, makes me proud to be um part of this thing and um i think what you said uh, summed it up extremely well yeah man thank you for sharing your uh, memories and insights about um your homie um you invited him to my pad one time for yep. this mysterious episode that never aired. But, you know, <laughs> I felt honored to have met him. And mm, and like you said, like uh, the, the beginning of this song sounds like a battle cry. And it's really cool that it's a Bay Area sort of battle cry. And um, 2007 or so, I was teaching, uh, I was student teaching at like a middle school and kids would have the words hyphy written on their backpacks. And by then I'm like, oh, this is not my shit. You know right. what I mean? But now, you know, almost 15 years later, it's like um, it's, it's something to be proud of. You know what I mean? The Bay Area making moves. And it's just really cool to hear about his history, um, his history intertwined with yours for uh, Lackadaisical. Um, everybody check out the reissue of that record. And um, yeah, man, um, honored he was at my house and, you know, nothing but fond memories for that like hour and a half. Yeah, it was it was a great time and a, a testament to. You know, we've talked to some folks who have passed on since they've been on this program, and there is, you know, I do find a level of comfort in being like, well, we, we had a conversation, and um, I do feel like the holder of legacy. So when folks were coming around right after he passed, and they wanted comment, and they wanted things, uh, our, our podcast served as one of the few documents um, where people could get information. And so to me, it was like this this interesting cross-section of the thing that we started doing, my personal childhood friendships, but also uh, legacy. I feel like um, Traximillion's involvement in being one of the architects of the hyphy sound was the first time that San Jose got to come to the table, a Bay Area rap. Um, and, and that's being recognized now. Dave, I know you're working on a, a thing with our, our local PBS uh, affiliate that's going to break down some more San Jose. PBS with PB Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's his head in the P. <laughs> it's got like a backwards hat. <laughs> Be on the lookout for that. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my, my man still lives through the music. Number 10. I will fight you. Open mic evil. 
with my devices charged I eat an edible and write some bars I script a legible, it's nice and large And I awaken when the lights come on I'm really feeling out a crisis card It's one, two, counting vacation days And day one, um, Open Mic Eagles uh, Auto Reverse album is an important album, I think, both in his trajectory and ours. We're yep. obviously um, on Open Mike Eagles uh, podcast network, which is as lucrative and luxurious as you think it might be. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Do you remember last time we talked to him? But you were like. He, he called you or something, and you're like, oh, no, did we get dropped? And he was like, and he what was would like, that even entail? <laughs> 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 He's like, what would that even mean? I'm like, I don't know. Did we get dropped, though? Turn the private jet around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, What's so, Studio Dave doing? <laughs> so we, we, had, we, we were able to jump on the Stony Island um, uh, bandwagon pretty early and, and have this involvement with the artist that we already knew and respected prior to his formulation of a podcast network but this song in particular uh which was the first single off of the auto reverse record um to me signaled that mike was coming for the crown let's say you talk to mike and he'll let you know that he wants to be considered amongst the rappers that you talk about when you talk about who's the best and this uh record or this song to me exemplifies both mike's want to be considered at the top of that heap, which he definitely should be. Um, and also where that intersects with his passion for wrestling, which I do not understand because I'm not into wrestling, but I know that he is. Um, so when he's like, sit on your back like Scott Steiner, I'm like, I don't get it, but I get it. I, I hope that's a wrestling guy. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever you're into, Mike, that's fine. I support you. Um, but yeah, I feel like this song in particular, uh, the Diamond D production, he had kind of teased so sick, for a couple so times. Sick. Like, so I, I got a legendary producer on my record. I was like, who is it? Who is right. it? Who is it? Uh, and it's fucking Diamond D. And the, the beat comes together perfectly. This is an amazing record. I thought a lot of folks in our lane were like, okay, this is the Open Mic Eagle record. Because he has that kind of uh, image and let's call it a fan base of people who don't necessarily plug into a lot of underground rap, right, right. Uh, Mike is a lightning rod for those people at times. And this was a record for people who fuck with underground rap super heavy. Right. Totally. And um, th I'm listening to Mike interview Questlove for these last couple of weeks, and there's some more weeks to, to, to check out. You guys should all listen to what had happened was. Um, but Questlove keeps bringing up that the Roots, especially when they were in their busking early days in Philly, were the band where they're like, I don't really like rap music, but I like, like what that. you guys are doing. Yeah. And I feel like Mike has a bit of that now because of his humanistic approach and like you, the crowds at his shows are so diverse. And you just don't get the sense that he everyone... He tours with an indie rock band. He tours right. with AJJ right. yeah. and other, other kind of facets. So uh, Mike can fit into a lot of places um, because he's such a great dude and um, so talented. And his live show really is special. Um, and I, I consider this song to be an anthem. Like, I yep. love the message of this yep. song. I love the beat of this song. I love, if you want to take your listening a little bit deeper, check out, throw this on sometime when you're not doing something else, when you're not washing the dishes or whatever, like, and, and listen to the way Mike attacks the different verses with a slightly different urgency yeah. and yep. tone. And it's like, I don't know if they're cold from different takes. I've never asked him, but I do know that he switches up and vacillates between different modes of 
um, oration in right. in between the things of the song, and he's not trying to make it sound perfect. He's trying to yeah. make it sound human. And um, I, I've always loved this song since we first heard it. We got to hear it a little bit before it came out because we were helping um, interview Mike about his old albums as part of the rollout for this. But um, just super dope song and uh, very much an anthem for us. And uh, we could have done, you know, an, any number of Mike songs on here he's a super dope artist i would like to think that even if we didn't get to know him a little bit we would still hold his music i think so i think so yeah mike's an incredible rapper and you know and he's a rapper's rapper you know and he'll never say that but he's such a fan of the art Mm. and and you can tell and for this song it reminds me of when we were at thought fest and when mike went on and 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 the song came on and it was still a new song at the time so many people didn't know it but the crowd started you know, coming closer. And well, closer because to the stage. they were kind of cold on him. Uh, if if we were to remember it correctly, right. his first couple songs, people were like, mm. "Yeah, yeah, totally." And 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 that's Mike. Like, there's so many entry points to him as a personality. He's not just this rapper who's known for like this one song or this two or these right. two songs. But um, love this song. It's very anthemic to Nate's uh, point, and um, this still remains my you know off of my favorite album by Mike. So yeah. um, props to Mike. Hope he gets his flowers. Absolutely, and in in addition to his flowers, you better have his writer together. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I learned. That is nice. And Woodford like, Reserve. <laughs> if you don't have the Woodford Reserve on reserve, uh, you're gonna hear about it from open. You're gonna people. get reserved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so dope. Again, in the year of going outside, getting to hang out with Open Mike Eagle and uh, Video Day backstage at Thought Fest was was definitely a highlight and. So for me, that whole experience, this album, that experience yeah, yeah. of coming on the show, us doing individual interviews with him, uh, this record will always loom large for me. Number nine, I'm an yeah. instrument. We ain't playing pool, but all my niggas got stripes and they solid. Yeah. I chose popping bottles over college. I got a drinking problem. I need a Grammy to ease my conscience. Uh. Or a trip to the Bahamas. My chain rocky, rocky. like those freezy mountains. But cut the grass so you can see the snakes, we know. But you gotta rip the leaves, get rid of the weeds so the seeds can grow. Uh, I'm a landscaper. I'm a landscaper. Making this money was rough, like sandpaper. I was about to say, Nate, what, a bassoon? <laughs> <laughs> no, a, a buffoon. <laughs> um, uh, what's it called? Um, it's. This sounds so dumb because you guys just heard us talk for two hours about how much we love underground hip-hop i fucking hate underground hip-hop <laughs> it's so it's part of loving underground hip-hop right, it's right. so fucking annoying is everyone is so self-serious everyone's a fucking lyrical miracle spiritualist fucking shut the fuck up with all your fucking thesaurus words every once in a while a breath of fresh air comes along and a couple of years ago during the pandemic when we really needed it it was bruiser wolf yep. and bruiser brigade and danny brown and what they were doing but really it was Bruiser Wolf and his pimped out couplets yeah. and his chicken fingers and fidget spinners <laughs> and just his like comedy. Yeah, just he just being funny, just being laid back, just like there's I, it seems simple. But when you listen to it multiple times, which this is an album from that time, I still throw on like very often like I can get lost in this. There's more to it than you would think. The way he writes the beats is super interesting. I think this is a really accessible music for a bunch of different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. But I just remember I was still on Twitter pretty tough at this time. We were all like, have you heard this shit? Yeah. Like, you need to yeah. hear this shit. Yeah. Like, you might think, like, we only listen to some dark corners of the mind fucking <laughs> solving the world's ills, dude. Sometimes you just need, uh, like, something 
I don't know. I I just can't say it uh, anything other than a breath of fresh air. And I think Bruiser Wolf. I still think he should call his next album Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> because, that would be so because wrong. he used to play football and his name is Wolf. But oh, that's right. You could take that idea or leave it. I don't right. care. Just come out with another record. Call Please. it whatever you want. Please. Um, we talked to him. He was in the basement with Rafi. He was making making music. Um, Danny Brown has kind of lurked in the background of a lot of these conversations. Danny Brown's an incredible rapper, and I it must be said, a much, much better podcaster than we could ever be, <laughs> just because he has so many crazy, funny stories and a great voice. You don't have stories about farting in jail? Because <laughs> that could take us. Now, I'm talking about farting in jail is the best podcasting I've heard this year. That's hilarious, <laughs> dude, and I need to know what episode that is. Um yeah, his stories are so dirty. There's like very few instances I can actually really listen to that. Like that, that's that's headphone material. But da- Danny Brown is an incredible rapper and has like you know become kind of like a uh, a mini media mogul in some ways. But um, for me, this is the top ten. These are the songs that define our show. And I picked this one because it's my favorite Bruiser Wolf song, and that album means so much to me because it pointed out the inherent flaws in all of my structures. Mm. Mm. Bruiser Wolf uh, kicking down the pillars of, of underground hip-hop. What I think what the, the Dope Game Stupid album showed me was that, like, at the end of the day, it's still about talking slick. It's still about his punchlines are on par with anybody's witty punchlines that you want to talk about, so subject matter almost goes out the window. The shit is just so funny um and his delivery he talked about that in his interview with us how he really had to work on it and like and his speaking voice does not sound like his rapping voice which i'm obsessed with and it's so it's it's very much a choice yeah it's deliberate it's deliberate and he he mastered it like he worked on how you do that kind of you know the 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 in that don't say this in a derisive way it's got corollaries to sugar free and 40 of course of course it's like in the best spurts. way in the best ways right it's a little higher register and there's a lengthening yeah. it's like you emphasize things by kind of lengthening them when in a way that i think is like very compelling i got my own son. um i just an I instrument that, yeah. yeah uh yeah his vocal inflections just everything uh he does is just hilarious and i, I remember at the time uh, having a back forth with Rap Ferreira on Twitter, just about the favorite lines, and it and it it signaled to me that even the most writerly writers of this shit understand how uh, brilliant Bruiser Wolf is. Yeah, well, even people who consider themselves to be good writers will tell you the hardest thing to write is comedy. Right, right. I was gonna say just because he's funny, like uh, shouldn't be dismissed. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And um, out of this list, I mean, I'm very much looking forward to his new album. Um, and, you know, uh, to your point, Damone, I mean, his his talking slick, obviously, is huge, but um, his, his sense of humor is incredible. And I really love the production on this album yeah, and this song. So shout out to that. And, um, yeah, it was great to have him on the program. Um, uh, if anything, we can do to sort of amplify, like, his uniqueness and, like, his appeal. Like, I'm here for it. Yeah, and uh, Bruiser Brigade kind of pulled the uh, – a, a blue ball move on us. <laughs> they, they gave us so much dope shit. I want to say one year for, for one, one year. calendar year, they ruled everything. And now that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Question mark? I've been very curious as to what the follow-up strategies. We got to talk to fat Ray. Um, who's also super dope. Like they've got a great roster. Um, so I'm not sure what's happening. Hopefully we'll get more bruiser brigade. I did see, um, and maybe, this was on Reddit or something that they they do a Thanksgiving show every yes. year because everybody's back yep. in Detroit and yep. this one was labeled as the last one. Oh, wow. 
So I don't know what happened. I have no insight into this. Um, I just want good music. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Bruiser oh, Wolf. Interesting. Dope Game Stupid. Put it on. Have a good time. Don't think too hard. Number eight. Death Fame. Quale Chris. <laughs> Heaven ass hell, forgive me. I hit a roast before I wrote you and hell in it with me. I'm a dealer of dreams. My Voltron left on Bobby, the right arm is with me. We smoked wikis and blue white light boxes of Jiffy to get the party. Uh, Chris is one of those artists who, if you think about something dope, it's kind of like Bill Walsh and football coaching. <laughs> if there's like a great football coach right now, they're like two steps removed from Bill Walsh. I think if there's a great rap album right now Quelle is on it he produced something from it or one of his peoples are somehow associated with right. it um he's just he looms so large in the aesthetic that has formed around this show or that we have formed um and is literally one of the most talented like kind of all around when you think about production when you think about rapping you think about animation right um right. i haven't caught one of his live shows but i i heard it is a, a sight to behold. And we also had a great conversation with him um, kind of mid-pandemic um, where I just remember him kind of like almost laying down. You know how they have those albums from the early 80s where somebody's just laying on their – he was kind of just laying down, kind of pontificating. What Nate's doing right now. Ba basically <laughs> what Nate's doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Quelle Chris is, to me, the uh, taking – what was happening with the, the slum village era, and he's originally from Detroit, um, and then transmuting that into a really underground hip-hop moment. Like, he's not as R&B as, as they were, but he has these flourishes of R&B. And so on Death Fame, uh, a record which we, we picked as our album of the year that year, the song Death Fame, the concept Death Fame, the execution of said song and concept Flawless, like flawless. It's somehow raw and polished. Um, it's witty without being like pencil neck geeky. Right. Uh, I can't say enough about this album. Loved it so, so much. And I think this song, I love when an album's title track is the track. Totally. Yeah. And Nate, this turned, is definitely me, Nate turned me on to Quelly Chris like years ago. And to see his sort of like growth and transformation, I mean, he's always had the sort of underlying sense of creativity but to see him just expand greatly on that now he's like like you said i mean he's going to be a part of his obviously his own album and sprinkle himself into others albums and also like do the animation for it like he's yeah. ridiculously um so uh creative i mean he, he walks around as i feel like such a creative beast and, and somebody you want in that boardroom you know what i mean if you're workshopping an idea i want to see what he thinks about it that's really well said. That's uh, a, that's a cool uh, way to think about it. I, I, there's a couple people who we're going to talk about in the top, what are we, eight here, who I think are geniuses. Pretty much everyone. Um, but I, I have no problem calling Quelle Chris a genius. I would tell him to his face. I think that his um, ability to personify what this strain of, whether you want to call it art rap or underground rap or thoughtful rap or... Um, just good music or like um, soulful, intentional, really well crafted hip hop is he's he's the guy because he can do it all. 
and um, I we didn't get a chance to catch up with him for his album that he dropped with Cavalier, um, though he did reach out to us. We just could not circle the wagons, um, but he's still doing it. I think he will continue doing it for his entire life. I don't think he's one of those people who's just going to be like, oh, fuck it, I'll just go get a day job. Right. Like right. He's just so creative, um, and his art is so good, and that album Death Fame is really important to me personally, and I think um, one of the great rap records of our time and uh, I had loved Guns. I love the yeah. Innocent Country records. Yeah. I, there's just like so much good stuff when you talk about Quelly Chris. But for me, it all came together, like you said, Damone, with the theme, the thesis statement. It's like mm-hmm. the song, the album, the track, the title, the the words, the message, the music, um, just really came together in a great way. And um, Quelly Chris is a hugely important artist, and he's he's the one who told us don't call him underrated because yeah. everybody who knows about him rates him highly. Yep. He just yep. needs to get paid. Not inhibited, not even a little bit. When I'm inclined, my attempts to redefine your hip hop guidelines, and you can play the sideline, ride rhymes in your spare time. My attempts to redefine your hip hop guidelines, you can play the sideline, ride rhymes in your spare time. Cause I'd rather stimulate your mind than emulate your purpose. And we have only touched on the surface of the serpent. Consider me part of the dust. Number seven, going back a little bit here. Um, this is Guidelines by AC Alone off of the album A Book of Human Language um, for whatever reason. And I respect this person immensely. AC Alone don't want to talk to us. Yeah, he's alone. Yeah, he's alone. He's AC Aloha. That means goodbye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and But we did get to talk to Mumbles, who produced this album. Uh, which, which, let's not bury the lead here, that was a get. Like Mumbles, yeah, totally. Mumbles had he doesn't talk- do interviews. Totally. Yeah, totally. he hadn't mumbled to anybody in years. <laughs> Before totally. we talked to and him. And a huge shout out to Cut Chemist for helping hook that up. Yep. And um, really, really cool conversation for me. I'm obsessed with the album, A Book of Human Language. And um, I this is this this one I know for sure. If this song and that album had not come out, we would not have this podcast. It's That's a hundred percent. Like, That's fair. To, to me, this changed my entire concept of what a rap song could be. Um, and I think uh, Damone has a beautiful story that's in a past episode about his like um, kind of place and his personal relationship to this album. Me and Dave bonded over this album 20 years ago in a dirty ass dive bar. Like, <laughs> there's just a lot to this for us, and uh, we hold AC in the highest regard. But um, attempting to redefine your hip hop guidelines is literally what we do on a weekly basis. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. And so um, it just doesn't get much better than this over an epic baseline and some knocking, but still kind of dusty drums. AC alone just lays out his vision for what his greatest work is going to be. And um, just completely rips it with cadences, with word choice, with energy. Um, he's the smartest rapper. He's like he'll teach you about life if you're willing to listen. He did incredible things with Freestyle Fellowship. He wrote the goddamn theme to Mad Men. It's just crazy. Um, all the different things that he's accomplished and the fact that he's not discussed in like the the most hushed, reverent tones. Why, Nate? Uh, because he raps too good and people don't like it. Uh, <laughs> listen to our Freestyle Fellowship uh, Inner City Griots episode. I get pretty deep on uh, how it's jazz. Because, yeah, exactly. It's, it is jazz. It is and jazz. People are stupid and they don't know what they like. Exactly. Uh, but um, the guidelines, I'll let you guys kind of take it from here, but just a uh, monster of a song. Um, 
incredible, my favorite song off the album, and I really do, to your point, Damone, uh, it did feel like a get to get Mumbles on the show. And, yeah, you know, man. like, when it, when it comes to getting gets, it's almost like, oh, who's the biggest name? But yeah. this is on a different tip. This is like, who doesn't even talk? You know, Seriously. Who's the most tight-lipped? And, and, you know, we got the the primo to his guru. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's, it's really incredible. Um, AC alone, I mean, I don't know how many... Um, uh, um, good things I can say about him. I mean, he's uh, obviously one of the most gifted rappers of all time. We're lucky to have um, had some interactions with Freestyle Fellowship and be yeah. connected to their history in, in a very, very small way. Yep. And um, But having said that, I mean, if you don't like this song, then you can play the sidelines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps write rhymes in your spare time. Um, no, totally. I, I Nate's thing got me thinking, what's the East Coast corollary to AC Alone? And is it Master Ace, Nate? Oh, that's interesting. Master Ace alone. <laughs> um, that's called that, the setup. That's thing. pretty interesting. I, I I would have to think about that quite a bit. Um, is, so is like Long Hot Summer, the Book of Human Language. Uh, for yeah, 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 yeah. It's the East Coast Book of yeah, Human Language. Yeah, and he comes out of like Juice Crew, which we could say is kind yeah, of like the a corollary to the Freestyle yeah. Fellowship, yeah, yeah, yeah. like. Um, a really smart cat who's still really out there doing music. Being but like the most straight ahead one, yes. right? Like right. very, very earnest, very straight ahead. And what I love about um, the Book of Human Language and this song in particular is that like Project Blowed, their sound could be erratic. Like if you listen to the, the first Project Blowed album, Charismatic. which I love. Charismatic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's very, um, which, you know, I'll name drop. I was... 19 at the at a casual show and trying to bug AC alone and he gave me the first he gave me the first project blow tape like beat it kid uh, um and me and Jackson were like oh you off yeah <laughs> pretty much but he was like <laughs> it's like you don't know the guidelines get out of here i <laughs> uh, gave gave me the the first project blow tape um and we kind of walked off it but in and that that is a testament to experimental hip hop. What I've always loved about AC Alone was within the experimental space, he still gave you the most straight ahead stuff. Like um, I would hear people say, like, "Oh, he's the best in freestyle fellowship," and I'm like, "Well, he's definitely the easiest to pick up what he's doing." So you take a song like Cornbread or something like what he's doing jumps off the page in a way that maybe if you're not like studying what Mike and Nine is doing, it's easier to get lost. So I've always appreciated AC Alone on that level. What he does on Book of Human Language and this song is he takes that ability and now he's going to explain some shit to you, which over, what is it, like 18, 19 tracks carries a theme all the Ridiculous. way through Mumbles, Mumbles uh, affiliation, um, gives it this uh, cohesion that not all of the Project Blowed things had. So I think that's why sometimes True. this stands out as one of the best albums of that tradition. I think it's even a better album than All Balls Don't Bounce, which was oh, like much better a, a formational yeah. album for me. But I think it's, it's a testament to Mumbles, the consistency of production. Um, he was like a child when he made these beats too, which is like kind of amazing in the way that he made them. So I, I think this is a great choice. Um, go back and listen to every episode, and you'll find the one where I tell the story about uh, how my late great homie Jesse Jones' voice is on the album. 
Um, yeah, it's just one of the Thanksgiving episodes. I'll give you guys yeah. a hint. I just have to say, like, I've, I've just been thinking about this, and I'm kind of thinking about it in like the Disney personification thing from Beauty and the Bee. But like, this guy has a good rap song about he's literally a clock. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Like, that's yeah. how good this record is. Like, yeah. that sounds like a nightmare. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, right. It's, just, it's just I don't know. It's hard to explain if you haven't picked up on it. And like, I I just think because it's underground, because of the way it was distributed, or more to the point, not distributed. Right. Most people have never heard these things before. If you found it's us, wild, you probably yeah. are at least aware of who AC Alone is. Most of the populace of the world has no idea, and that's totally. just fucking sucks. Imagine being 16 and like coming across this on Spotify, you know, or something. Totally. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah, or your homie gives you a tape, which is how we all kind of got it, or, yeah. you know, like you see a show and he's opening, right. and you're like, what right. the fuck was that, that dude? Right. This is Fireball. Yeah. You know? um, so, the guidelines, um, there's nothing left to say. Soon you'll see as I flow fluently to frequently another MC will drop off the face of this earth for what it's worth. I've been the nastiest one since birth. Soon you'll see as I flow fluently to frequently another MC will drop Number six, Vital Nerve, Company Flow. When I think of this, I think it's like the most developed demo ever made. You know, it sounds <laughs> it sounds like a demo uh, LP. I mean, lo- love Jess on this and, and love some of the things he's done post um, Company Flow. But LP to me, um, genius, top five producer. And this was the album that kicked open doors for an entire movement, I feel, yeah. you know, in many certain ways. And um, love this song so much. I'm also a fan of Eight Steps to Perfection. Oh but um, LP in general, I mean, it's really good to see somebody especially in hip-hop, have three acts, you know what I mean? And the third act, I mean, love, a lot of kids love Run the Jewels. Yep. Maybe my least favorite of LPs, but I sure. still very much respect it. And when I hear this, I'm just like, it's still like a ball of ideas that are flowing. And um, and just aesthetically, the way it sounds, like really speaks to me still. Um, and, every, you know, every time I've interviewed LP, he comes off like an LP verse from Cure for Cancer, which is very <laughs> scientific and like, Wordy, but like very deliberate in his word choices and just constantly thinking, you know, you picture him like drinking coffee and smoking a cigarette while he's talking fast. Mm-hmm. And um, he's that dude. And this is the album that kickstarted it all and song. Um, Vital Nerve is one of the best minimal hip hop beats. It's it's like um, the underground clips. <laughs> joint, you know, um, grinding. It's That's the underground grinding. I didn't quite have it together when I started talking, as you could probably tell by the four-second long um, but I found it. Um, yeah, I love this beat so much. Um, L is such a rude... At company Flow L is so fucking... He's just dissing like life itself. Right. It's so just like angry. he he just like he, right. he just like spits every verse with like a disgust right. that I find like especially at the time when I was younger, they're independent as fuck. I I really venerated them. I really held them up as like so kind of like probably unfairly like um you know uh, emblems for this movement. They were never famous. L was famous now, and I'm happy for him. But he should still talk to us someday. <laughs> Um, oh please, yeah. Oh please, because he <laughs> half an half an hour sometime. Let's just like go through the greatest hits, dude. Um, but yeah, L is I think primarily a producer, but a, v- a very good rapper. And this is one of my favorite beats. It's so simple. There's probably no more than ten sounds yeah. in it, and uh, the way that it's uh, mixed and mastered for the time was super loud and banging. And uh, this has just always been a huge uh, song for me. And Just and BMS also rise to the occasion but this is some backpack shit and if you're not down with this we're just 
th- that just doesn't work for us. Like, yeah, it's we like can't. It, we do. can't. We can't deal with you if you can't deal with this. Getting like, on our vital nerves. Yeah. <laughs> Perf. Uh, yeah, I, I think LP um, is a generational figure. You know, if you if you think about what Company Flow represented, then what Def Jux represented, and then for to your point, Dave, for him to spin that into yet another act, which was right. even bigger. But I'll say this, even though Run the Jewels is not my shit, I never listen to it and be like, oh, he's selling out. That's corny. Totally. Not at like, all. totally. It's not the progression all. of his art and sound. Yeah, I'm like, it, yeah. it's totally in line with everything that he's been doing and on the, the it's, it's actually quite good. It's just not for us anymore. Totally. Exactly. Totally. Which, I, which I'm fine admitting, but I also... Everyone who is for us is fucking broke, so, like, go for <laughs> it, dude. <laughs> go for broke. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, you, if we like your shit, you gotta try harder. Um, <laughs> no, I feel like um, with run the jewels it's it's an evolution of sorts right like where's the next place to go i i love that lp didn't just keep making the same right, fucking right. record totally. for 20 years like he kept pushing it just the three solo records yeah yeah <laughs> I'm just i kidding. love those records i do too yeah no same but i feel like uh on the season of what happened what had happened was when he was talking to mike about the construction of those and kind of where his head was at He's grown as a person as well, and that's evident in the work, which is not always true. Some people are making the same record that they were making at 25. Um, and so I, it's, it's been great to see. I think when we talk about things like Arm & Hammer, um, when we talk about this contemporary underground moment, um, it's all in the shadow of LP to me. His production techniques, his approach to the rhyming, he still rhymes. Like yeah. he, oh, no. His yeah, verses have, are great. He had that feature on Droog's record yes. with uh, with Fonte and um, just I'm like oh you're you still have it um, which is always great to see um, and so I, I I can't say enough about the the totality of his talent yeah. and and his understanding of what makes when he was on what had happened was he talks about hey man I was trying to make jams like the shit that came out on Def Jam. Which is an important note because not all underground cats are trying to make jams. Right, right. Yeah. Sometimes um, it seems like quite the opposite. No, on purpose, yeah. Right? right? Yeah. 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 So he, he took uh, the form of, of boom bap and, and took it to a place that we're still kind of unpacking and, and enjoying the riches of, of his creative totally. risk. And, and, like, we don't say this about anyone, but, like, one man bomb squad. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Which is like basically the highest compliment right. we can give someone. Anyone else would be like, fuck you, dog. How yeah. dare you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, it, but, but he is that, and he's a student of that. And Wonder. I think that's essential, and I, I'm going to make it racial because that's what I do on this podcast. <laughs> um, that is the key factor for any white artist that I will deeply revere and respect. You're a student of this shit. And it, it's evident not only in his word, but like in the stuff that he creates. And that he had a track on Armin Hammer's uh, "The Gods Must Be Crazy." He produced that song on there on the Diabetic Test Strips album, is a testament that he still has an ear, right? Like he's at a place in his career where he could be like, oh, "I'm gonna produce for whoever." The track is wild too. It's nuts. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Love and it. And his rapping, I think, is just still excellent. I still yeah, think it's top notch. Yeah. You know uh, I mean? Heavy water with Breeze Bruin and uh, Woods Ooh. off of Atheops. Yeah. It's just like Jesus, dude. That's like I, you guys will hear me say this a lot if you listen to the podcast. You can't rap better than that. No, you. Really it's like can't. those three dudes at the height of their powers, all going in on this cr- insane preservation beat. It's such a treat for us. But in a world where you know certain rappers feel like they're too old to make contributions, 
still killing it in his late 40s. And so I appreciate that. I really came in on a cyclone. Disciple scribe the scroll with my eyes closed. Knives thrown, black Congo. Blowing smoke, slapping congas. There I go. There Number five, Arm and Hammer, Stone Fruit. Oh, Who? What can be said about uh, these guys? I mean, I feel like we've been here for their ascent. And, you know, Paraffin is a challenging record. And I feel like, if anything, they're slightly less challenging. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I feel like um, there's a certain sense of accessibility to their, um, just to their production choices as well. But for this song, how it ends off Harem is incredible. Um, it's haram, bro. It's haram. God damn it. I've only been correcting you for said four that. years. I know, I know. Someday yeah. I'd like to end off a harem. <laughs> I keep saying that, that you're right. <laughs> but yeah, sequencing of albums and the way that this um, caps off that album is just incredible. And, you know, um, our friend DJ Plattern is like, who's this, Cookie Monster singing? <laughs> <laughs> and I always think of that, but I'm like, dude, Elucid like really let loose on that. And for them to choose that as like the crowning song on the Alchemist album, I think it just, just speaks to their thoughtfulness. And um, this song, like I said, I'm always like anti-singing, but this is not what I mean when I when mean you, anti-singing. You, singing. Okay. you know what I mean? Okay. It's just so emotive, um, and it's so like so much uh, true to themselves. When we first, I think it was our first interview with Billy Woods, or maybe the second one. He's like, "We just, we just did one. We just did a song that's right. gonna be the song." And I was like, "What? What could that possibly sound like? What could that?" And then I heard Stone Fruit, and I was like, "Oh, this is that one." This is the one they were talking about. If there's a song in our retrospective series, we like to do like, what's the song for the normies? Right. Like if you were trying to get somebody into Arm & Hammer, which is a fool's errand, um, <laughs> this would be the song that's the most accessible, but in true Arm & Hammer fashion, is still densely layered, challenging, and totally. brilliant. Right, right. All, all, all at the same time. Um, this song for me was the perfect cap off to that to that album and also like a good way to you know it's almost like they didn't even, they never doubled back either like in success right, you, yeah right. it's like uh, on diabetic test strips i was kind of looking for the moment where they were gonna like what's the stone fruit of this one and there isn't one they don't think about it like that which they is really like don't. very refreshing thank yeah. yeah. they each, really don't each it's album not calculated. is its own thing they're not like we need. Yeah, we don't need it. We there is no stone fruit on there, and there's no stone fruit even approaching on like a maps. No, it's it's not like that. Nope. Um, but I do think, and th I could be wrong, and maybe we could have this conversation sometime. That I think Elucid, especially, I really Woods is great on this, but it's so great that on one of their best tracks, Elucid really uh, shines and is like totally. the star. Totally. Um, and I think this is like a big, this was a big moment for him, for a lot of people being like, oh, I didn't know you had that chamber. Mm -hmm. um, and it's great to hear because it's really compelling. And I find this song really moving emotionally. Totally. And that's really, at the end of the day, that's what I'm really looking for. And I often have to find it in other kinds of music because you don't get a ton of that in hip hop. Right. And there, you know, could do a whole hour on that. But anyway. I think um, perhaps, and I don't know if he would agree with this, that Elucid letting this loose led into some of the uh, Bessie stuff, where it's like it's For more sure. about more about yep. his family, more more like letting you in. It's not just um, veiled references to things. Right. It's like just saying things a little bit more directly, yes. talking about family, just kind of um, just kind of going places um, that's a bit more vulnerable. That's how I hear it anyway. Um, I'll always remember the first time I heard this song. We got the advance like four hours before the 
album was going to come out or something, which was kind of a coup for us because we didn't we don't actually get serviced with their advances, which I, I don't understand why, but it's fine. <laughs> um, but I just remember hearing the song and thinking like, oh, we've entered the next level. Like, the, like, like certain times rap moves. Right. And, and as as a student of the shit, there's certain times where I'm like, oh, the ground has shifted underneath us. And I definitely got that sense uh, from the outset of Haram, like even first track, I'm like, oh, this is this is something else mm-hmm. where, you know, they've, they've taken their sound and gone to another place. But I'll always remember I was in Joshua Tree, um, may or may not have been on psychedelics. And <laughs> I was sitting there being like, how could they blow my mind again? And by on, the t- on like album number 10. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I'm like, by the time Stone Fruit closed. It felt like the end of a movie that fucked you up, mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. That it has, and not all you know, not all albums end on a great note, especially in this fucking stupid streaming era where there's just 25 songs for no reason. That is a fucking closer, and mm-hmm. the album's over, right. and then it, I'm just I was left with the silence, and I'm like, start it over again. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Only thing you can do. Yeah. Um. The maybe the truest words ever spoken is that uh, Elucid came in on a cyclone. Exactly. It's it's just such a great phrase. And if you've ever seen him live, we've talked about this a little bit before. He does this arm swinging thing when it's he cyclonic. raps. That's it's cyclonic, bro. <laughs> it's cyclodonic. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, amazing song. Um. I, I think some of the songs on here you'd be happy to. Maybe you could use our playlist. Throw it on while you're mowing the lawn or whatever. You can do whatever. With this, I I have to stop and listen when something like this comes on. And I think it's... um it's very compelling. It's it's attention grabbing, and he did kind of debut a new voice um, at that time. And I just I don't know, man. It's super dope. Now let's get into the slightly controversial here. I've heard Nate is on record as saying he doesn't feel like uh, Billy Woods should have rapped on that. Say more, Nate. Um, a bit of a hot take, but I think we'd still be having this conversation. We'd still be putting this in top five most important songs to us if it had ended at uh, uh, Elucid's part. Just the singing. Yeah. Hmm. I I, I love Woods' part in that. And yeah, I love it's how great. That breaks the song. Yeah, that that's a really good way of putting it. And and I feel like with Woods, um, I. His relationship bars? Yeah, totally. Underrated. She People dragged wanted- my bones to... Oh, God. <laughs> uh, we're going to get into that more in a minute. Save it for the pod on the pod. That's a rare double dip, dude. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, number three. I am, I be. The pile of revenue I create. But I guess I don't get a cut because my rent's a month late. Product of a North Carolina cat and scratched the back of a pretty woman named Hattie. Who departed life just a little too soon and didn't see me grab the plug tune fame as we go a little something like this. Look, ma, no protection. Now I got a daughter named Ayana Monet. I am IB, which is a great pick in the sense that it's not even really a rap song. It's a it's an amazing song on a rap album by rappers. Um, but it's beauty, uh, it's melodic sensibility. It's beauty, it's beat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it is, Nate? Jazz, really. <laughs> if you get right down to yeah, it. Yeah, if, if you want to. kind of a cosmic gumbo. Yeah, it's. <laughs> moves to the rhythm of jazz. It's an amazing song and one that in retrospect, I'm like, we kind of didn't deserve that. Like, we, 
it w- it's so sophisticated and beyond what was happening at that time. It really sensed. I, you'd be hard pressed to find a group that has a song in the rap canon. You'd have to go outside of it. You'd have to be like, oh, where's Pharaoh Saunders? Like where you. So I feel like this song was almost. Yeah, it is almost like a cosmic blessing for us, especially when it hits you when it when it came out. I was 17. Right. Um, not really sitting around listening to too much jazz or, or anything of, of that ilk in the middle of perhaps one of the greatest rap records of all time is this openness and this space and this super reflective joint with the, this mnemonic thing of I am, I be um, that just really draws you in and really makes you feel like um, I just remember feeling like I'm a heady cat right now. I'm listening to music at, the, at this point in time and maybe that's it's, the first time a rapper music <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i am a soul child <laughs> it's personally one of my most beloved songs i mean period I right it's a period yeah. period and i think it's just a great example of pasanus just being a very natural um poet you know yeah. what i mean and, and not forcing the issue and it's a song that brings back that talks about generational wealth and and his family and also Height, so I'm here yeah. for that. You know yeah. what I mean? And representation, <laughs> thank you, Shorty. Yeah. IB411, too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, in the guitar, when it comes in, um, when I interviewed DJ Shadow, he, and we talked about, and we were just, like, off record talking about songs, and he's like, oh, that's a perfect song. Perfect. And, and I can't think of, you know, uh, it's definitely in the group of rap music, rap songs, definitely one of the perfect songs of all time. Yeah. Um, it's funny, this, like, I don't love it as much as you guys do. It's not my jam. I I I admire. I am Nate, and I be hating. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I am Nate, and I am more like Bob Power in this regard, um, which like I, it's just I I love it. It is great. It is well done. We've talked about it pretty extensively. We did a whole day law thing in March. We just did the balloon uh, retrospective. Our thoughts are pretty clearly captured there. I do I do think it is an amazing song. It's not one that has like moved me to my core, um, even though I recognize the craftsmanship. Do you have it. a core? <laughs> <laughs> it's underneath a lot of fat, <laughs> my friend. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, De La Soul are just completely uh, master craftsmen at the t- height of their powers here. And Paz especially, who's always been kind of the vocal leader of the group. Um, f- this is probably, they'll play this at his funeral. Yeah. You know what I mean, and mine too. Like hopefully, we, guys. Yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make, Let them know. Make good notes. Yeah. Um. So anyway, the all the, we're kind of in the like these are the kind of songs you want played at your funeral, except for Vital Nerve. Please don't play that <laughs> at my funeral. <laughs> going to scare the shit out of my mom. Uh, um. Can I make a connection real quick before we before we move on? We just talked about Stone Fruit, right? In the sense of having um this melodic thing that happens and like this really deep poetry um i feel like there's that similar dynamic here like dave is really kind of singing and like yeah, he yeah. has this melodic sensibility that That's he's true. carrying through and then pasta comes with the concrete right um and i think that's what it's the contrast that makes this shit beautiful um and i feel like de la soul was at the height of the powers and they knew they had it, and that it, it so much personifies a moment. I don't think you can make that song again without it being corny or like, totally. you know. The risk totally. of this being corny was so high, yeah. and the yeah. reward 
that it's not, but it's actually quite moving, is just just everyone just like at the top of their form. It's, just, it's incredible. It's magic. Number two, Leaving Hell, Rap Ferreira. Um, I'll start with an aside. So my middle child is going to college in New York City. I've, I'm dealing with my feels about that, but she's doing great. And so for the first time, I think any of my children have ever done this. She texted me the other night, and she was like, hey, my friend likes Flying Lotus, Anderson Pock, and somebody else and she's like kind of similar taste to you can you recommend a record for her so i start going back and forth as she heard saw blah 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 and she's like oh she also likes this rapper milo and i was like what what i was dumbfounded and i'm like well if it's worth any cool points like we've had him on the pod multiple times he owns our mug (laughs) yeah he's got a dad bod rap pod (laughs) mug i've literally given the dude stickers in real life and She's like, oh, my God, my friend is rolling on the floor. That's so funny. Um, Rap Ferreira, uh, formerly Milo, made this amazing album, um, Purple Moonlight Pages. Right at the, It dropped right at the outset of the pandemic. Um, this and a written testimony by Jay Electronica and Jay-Z were kind of the anthems of one of the most weirdest, scariest moments of my life. And so I just remember, you know, we're all whatever, remote working and shit, and I was just cooped up in the crib. I'd take these long-ass walks, and this was one of the songs that I was like, we might be okay. I would listen to a written testimony and be like, it's like, we're not okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this isn't going to happen for us. That's so funny, dude. Uh, But then Leaving Hell, um, so anthemic. I've said it before. I think uh, Rap Ferreira is a generational talent. I don't know that project by project that is always captured in the best way. Purple Moonlight Pages, again, because Kenny Siegel is involved with all things that are amazing. Um, Purple Moonlight Pages is one of those albums that captures the greatness of everything he does. And Leaving Hell is, to me, his most anthemic uh, song. Him, the way he does the vocalization, um, it's almost understated. He has other gears that he can go into with the rap, but he didn't overpower this track. He just laid it on very simply, says, you know, trying to be the type of poet Lorca was. You know what I mean? Just very, very simply, very easy, not over-delivering it, but uh, it comes across as profound. And so this, I can never listen to this without thinking, like, is it the end of the world? Or are we going to leave hell? Let's see. Well, I'll let you cap this off, Nate, but let me just quickly interject. I, um, you know, I've n- never been the hugest follower of his work, um, but this song, I think, is his most accessible and also by far my favorite. And, you know, for being such, like, a, a subtle sort of understated song, it's also um, very catchy, you know, yeah. how he sings with the horn loop and for the yeah. for the chorus. Um, incredible. And just, you know, from my limited interactions um, with Rory uh, when we hung out and played records with um, Cut Chemist, um, very artistic mind, and and I'm so here for um, sort of meeting a person like that, and then finally hearing their art, and it 
it, it colored the way I heard his music differently after that, you know? Yeah, um, meeting uh, Rap Ferreira ha and, like, getting to, like, have some back and forth with him and uh, getting to sit down and interview him in person and get to, like, collect his records and have some uh, online convos, some real-life convos, to smoke some joints, to talk about music has just been one of the real pleasures of uh, doing the show. And uh, it's nice that he made a song I can send to my non nerd friends yeah yep. like that that's what yep. leaving hell is for me it's just like it's like i you could play this for normal people and they will understand what he's going for there's kind of like a um what's that book the uh the hitchhiker's guide to Big the galaxy. universe yeah. like it, i think that um that little vignette in the middle of this about going into the bathroom and all that stuff mm, is, is so drawn awesome. from that in some way if i'm not mistaken i've never read that maybe i actually should um, yes, read the book. Don't watch the movie. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, we talked about uh, Rory's music a little bit in uh, his team up with the Lucid as Nostrum Grocers. Um, he's he's an incredible talent, and um, I think Leaving Hell and this album, he set out to make an underground classic, and he succeeded. He did it. And how many people actually succeed in that? How many times have people been like, this is going to be my... Um, and I think he would have used Freestyle Fellowship as the, the, the setting the bar. He's like, I want to make something like To Whom It May Concern. And it's mm -hmm. like, good luck, dude. Yeah. And um, he made what Nailed I consider it. to be a modern underground classic. It's extremely L.A. It's extremely um, like well-crafted. Um, not just Kenny, but the other Jefferson folks in the Jefferson Boys. Park Boys um, really brought it. It gives it that slightly live feel that um, – is really accessible. There's some great tracks on here. The one I actually kind of like mixtape the most is uh, "Laundry." Oh, so good. Which is which is kind of a companion song to Open Mike Eagle song "Dishes," <laughs> and they're um, they used to be in a group together. They know each other extremely well. They've toured together. They're friends. They they've been on each other's records many times. That's a super cool kind of relationship to track if you're interested in all the eras of how this all flows together and who who's the big bro to whom and all that stuff. He was so kind of dismissive of it, though. He performed Laundry when we went to see him in Oakland, and he was like, I guess you guys like this song. Yeah. So he did like half a verse, and he's yeah. like, nah, fuck this shit. Totally. <laughs> um, I love that song, though. But does Chance the Rapper do his own laundry? I, who cares? I'm, I'm still wondering. <laughs> uh, now I get a Bessie yeah. does. <laughs> <laughs> After that last album. Um Anyway, um, I really thought what you said was very moving, Damone, the stuff about the pandemic and how the, we, they gave us that sense that we might get through this. I, I had had that feeling but didn't know how to articulate it, mm -hmm. and I appreciate you um, every week you know, uh, going back and forth with us and, like, you're helping me see something that I think I know a lot about differently, and I, I really appreciate that. And um, with Dave, it's been a journey uh, with, with Rory's <laughs> music, and I don't think he always got it at times, but here we are talking about it, the number two song that defines our entire podcast. And um, he's, just, he's just an awesome dude, and um, I'm not on Twitter to watch him beef with people anymore, but I would imagine he's still the same cantankerous person, um, a true artist, and we need those in our <laughs> It's not the heat, it's the dust It's not the money, it's the rush It's not the weed that's a crutch It's not greed, that's not enough It's not the heat, it's the dust It's not the drugs, it's the cut It's not the act, it's the touch It's how she her back Number one Red Dust Billy Woods Woo! This is a song. 
it's not the list, it's the song. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not over till it's gone. Oh, man. Um, this fucking song is incredible. Um, Woods has said that he is not going to perform it live, though uh, I did scream out for it when we were in Boise. Yeah. And we saw them at uh, Tree Fort Festival. I thought their set was, it, yeah, I was like, you, you got one more in you, right? Do Red Dust. Do Red Dust. Why uh, won't he do it? Did he elaborate on that? Uh, I, when he talked to us, he he said that um, getting this song out of his system kind of felt like kind of like exercising right. a, a right. demon, or like yeah. it was something he really needed to get off his chest. And I don't think he's like uh, dying to revisit that right. mental gotcha. space. And he um, also said he could never write a song like this again. So yeah. to your point, I can see him. It's sort of a catharsis, like finishing totally. and just leave it. There, yeah. There's so much catharsis in this song. It's like one of the most um, harrowing listening experiences um you can really feel him putting his all into the delivery where woods can sometimes be kind of cold yeah kind mm -hmm. of um mm -hmm. uh reciting yeah he, this one he's living and mm -hmm. it it caps off hiding places which is one of the great albums of this time and yes. um uh it was our album of the year and we got to talk to him about it and he was asking us what do you think is better like uh terror management or hiding places and i was like well hiding places has red dust right yeah right, um right. i've probably said this on the show before and it's not like a super cool thing to talk about or whatever but my wife did have one of those little boards where you like you get a jar of letters and then you can put little messages oftentimes they have them at like restaurants and right, stuff right, right. during most of the pandemic i had the entire hook of red dust <laughs> <laughs> and because it's so long i had to like like cut pieces to make apostrophes and like turn <laughs> turn the T around to an L and That's stuff hilarious. like that to like make Get it to order work. More but, um, sure your wife loved that? Yes. <laughs> always loves my craft projects. Um, yeah, I just think um, to hear such a great rapper go in so hard on right. something so personal is very, very rare. And th this is this is the true art. Like this, if this was like a fucking painting, it should be in the MoMA. If it's a song, yeah. it should be yep. wherever they fucking put the great songs. You know what I mean? They don't and put them in a the MoMA. Yeah, we gotta work on that. Yeah, the great the great songs. This song hits all the spokes on that wheel. Yeah, you know what I mean. And when I look back, like later years from now, I feel like if there's a defining song in this Dabba Rap Pod era, that's certainly gonna be the first thing that pops into mind as soon as I hear the beginning um, sound effects of the song. You know what I mean? The beginning melody. Which is like a sounds like a skipping country record. Like you, yeah. there's there's no indication dun, 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 dun. Yeah. that this is gonna be one of the the great rap songs from the outset. And I feel like Billy Woods' emotional intensity is oh, is at an absolute height. And I think he's like work. He's been working backwards in his more recent work. Uh, it's it's definitely he's he's more what I would say on the back foot. Like he's not charging mm. down at well you. Said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of like Super just well letting it happen and, and flowing out, but on red and, dust. And getting way more popular as a result. <laughs> he, well, <laughs> he's not a dumb guy. Uh but I think red dust captures the energy of um a really good this is gonna be a you're gonna quibble, Nate. But I think it captures the energy of almost like a punk song or sure, something that sure. is that intense where it's like yes the lyrical construction is genius but the way that he's saying things and the way that his voice is almost like breaking in certain points it's about the emotional intensity more than the craft execution on spongebob it's about the execution right, right? like he's he's a master lyricist but this one and again ending the album uh, right. Billy Woods as album arranger. Totally. Yes. His projects on, and dude. other people's yes. projects. Yeah. 
killer. Huge, like hugely important figure in that way, and someone really bringing uh, a rigorousness to that. Yeah, that I think is really important. My my take is slightly different. I don't know if you'd consider it a quibble or not because of the kind of like acoustic guitarish nature of this. This is like the closest thing we're going to get unless a lot of things change in his life to like a woods unplugged. Um, <laughs> I'd so be here for it. Though. I, yeah, no, very much here. A for tiny it. desk concert woods. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's reachable. Why can't he have a tiny desk? No, yeah. that'd be amazing. I've seen more marginal artists. I feel totally. like totally. have have tiny. I would love to see. Him and Siegel, which I think has to be said. Oh, that's interesting. Kenny Siegel yeah, yeah. and Woods' collaboration, to me, is the best, even better than the Alchemist stuff. It's the best platform for what Woods does. And I feel like um, that was borne out when I saw them live a couple months ago. Um, I just feel like Siegel and him have this chemistry now that is, like, undeniable. Siegel Matt is the primo. He brings out the best in him, I think. You know, what yeah, I mean? in the yeah. same way Primo did to Guru, obviously. Maps best record this year, in my opinion. Spoiler Oof. alert. Um, and Hiding Places was the best record that came out. And if they that was twenty nineteen. And if they told me they're totally they're working world. on something else, I would bet that it would be the best thing uh, to come out that year. So I, I I can't say enough. I will say this though: off this album, this is not my song. Oh, you don't go to a song like this for your jam, right? Like they, you have to, you have to be careful almost, like when you interact with something like this. Yeah. Uh, to, for me, like I've said, like I find it really moving. This is a song that has like helped me understand life. I don't like throw it on while I'm walking to work. You know, it's like you gonna should, fuck though. my whole. Just day come up. in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I feel like every part of this song is just like you could say the 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 line. They'll be like, "It's not the weed. That's the crutch." But y'all not ready for that conversation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is this is a whole song of you guys aren't ready for that conversation. Hundred percent. Woods Woods brought it, right? And he um, he really sets the bar for how to commit to the performance and like how to marry the music and the words. The like I, this whole time we've been talking since we were talking about uh, Detal, I think, which was many many hours ago at this point. <laughs> um, the hiding places front cover. That empty house, like on, we didn't know the whole world was going to turn into that when we yeah. were talking to them yeah. in 2019. It's just crazy how uh, cohesive it is as a project. Yes. And like this list could have easily been the top 50 Backwoods songs, the top oh, 50 sure. like yeah. Woods Universe songs. Sure. Like, um, that's how important their music has been to us and our understanding of the kind of uh, mapping, if you will, of the modern hip hop ecosystem. They just hold down this kind of fort of the wordiness. The thoughtfulness, the art direction, the album sequencing, the beat picking, the way and places that they tour, the sparseness of the live show, the intricacy of the words, the picking of the producers, mm -hmm. the who they bring along, your deaf C's, your blockheads. It's just yeah. it's just uh, it's a really great thing that is happening right now. If you're not on board with it, get on board with it. And uh, sometime maybe smoke a little uh, puff or two. And yeah. listen to this song and feel a person kind of actualizing their emotions in a way that is quite rare to experience. Yeah, especially in hip hop. I feel like um, our ascent has kind of um, ascent, if you could call it that. Our come up guy. has. Look, man. Well, we I haven't made ascent. <laughs> Shout out to the Patreon folks. We're, we're, we're actually doing all right. Um, I think. Our uh, our come up has paralleled what 
what Backwoods, Arm & Hammer, like, Extension Billy Woods has been doing. And we have internal conversations like, fuck, are we just we going to give them album of the year again? Right. Um, but if, if we are here we're to kind see- of doing this list in a way to not do that. <laughs> yeah. And here they are at it, the top again. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, we're on a quest for truth about this shit. And the truth of, of the moment of right now is um, Billy Woods is, is the preeminent writer of this moment. Um, and this song, if you were to crystallize his greatness into one song, I, I agree that you you would choose Red Dust. And I hope um, there's a moment where that gets more broadly understood. I don't know why we always hope for that. I mean, because I want good things for right, Woods. I want course. Woods to, you know, have uh, all the non-face riches. non-face should be on the cover of magazines. <laughs> totally. Right? They've had uglier Maybe people. that's why they don't do the tiny desk. They don't have the budget to, like... Uh, to blur? Yeah, to blur. He can do ski mask. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, he, he does ski mask in a couple right. videos. Billy um, Woods the slump god. Yeah, I would uh, I would love to see that. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we love the song, obviously. And this was one of the songs that was recommended to us. Also, the Patreon. Uh, it's pretty much on everybody's it. list. Yeah, so it's cool to know that, like, this isn't just the the figment of our collective imagination. Right, right, is right. that people who enjoy the show more broadly understand that this is a, a foundational joint for us. Yeah, and for them. Yeah, uh, that it was the DBRP fifty. Um, it's our you fuck it. It's our favorite songs. Hey. <laughs> Write it down. These are the best hip hop songs. Politically constructed through a several sifting process. But um, shout out to my man Nate LeBlanc for quarterbacking. Um, this whole process, we wanted to do a listicle for some time, but given how critical I've been of other people's listicles, I would get <laughs> I would get listicles. paralyzed. Yeah. Uh, let, let the arguing doing. begin. I'm sure there's a lot of things we missed. I'm sure there's a lot of people we yeah. left off. There's just there, it's really hard to encapsulate some of this stuff. And I think we talked about this a little bit last time. Uh, 50s not that many once you start right. adding them up. Right. Yep. Um, yep. So I'm sure there's some holes. Lots of friends of the program we would have loved to have mentioned. I, I have some people in mind who are like 51 and 52. Totally, totally. Who I'd have loved to have on there. But this is the list. And um, we're going to take another little break, you guys. <laughs> um, we're going to probably take the month of January off. Um, we got some plotting to do, and we want to get ahead of um, the content so it's not such a chase for a Thursday morning all the time. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, we just appreciate with you guys rocking with us. Um, do us a favor, buy a shirt. Yeah, we got shirts out right now, uh, and you can get the link for those on our Instagram. Um, if you go to our link tree, you can get the Merch Engine link there to, to buy our shirt. Supports the program. Send us photos if and when you do cop. Uh, send us photos and tag us. We're, we're trying to get this shirt out. Very simply branded, uh, Dad Bod Rat Pod shirt. Um, and I don't know that we'll ever do it again. So this is your opportunity to support the program and um, also look super fly for your age bracket uh, by rocking the dad bod rat pod shirt. So uh, you can check our Twitter or Instagram for the link there. They're both pinned. Um, you can always communicate with us on Twitter for the time being anyway at dad bod rat pod. We are on, on Instagram at dad bod rat pod. The best way to connect with us is on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Dead bod rap pod. We got some cool things that are going to be popping off there. Um, and as Nate mentioned, we are going to take uh, a, a little winter break. We will be back with another show. Our commitment to you is we'll be back with another show on February 16th. 
Might drop some DBRP classics in there, here and there, but there might be some weeks where the, the feed don't have a show. Just know that we're working on stuff. We got great things planned for 2024, um, and we just appreciate your continued support of the program. When we were on Nate's couch almost six years ago, we never thought we'd make it to my couch. <laughs> um, I didn't even have a couch back then, so um, it's it's been a great ride. Uh, appreciate y'all's, Nate, Dave. Um, your collective nerd mind, uh, I lean on in all situations. Uh, I think collectively we've got like 87% of rap covered. <laughs> uh, so I always feel like if I don't know about it, they'll know about it. Uh, so, yeah, I just I, I really appreciate y'all in that regard. Likewise, back at you. I don't. <laughs> it's all me. No, I'm just kidding. On brand. No, yeah. uh, no, it's super awesome. Um, I love this part of the year when we say nice things about each other at the very end on the last podcast. It used to be 50 episodes. What did we get to, like 37 this year? Yeah, we did a strong 38 and a half. Yeah, sure. 38 and a half. We'll take it. Um, so, yeah, just big shouts out to both of you. I learn so much from you every week and uh, really appreciate hearing your takes and the music sharing that happens behind the scenes and the friendship and the camaraderie. And um, a lot has changed for us over the last couple of years. But the thing that remains the same is uh, I would do this with or without a microphone. I love talking to you guys. So um, let's, let's keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. It's the dad bod. <laughs>